Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Well, good morning. This is Sports Animals this morning. Hope you're having a great day. Wake up, sleepyheads. It's time to talk about sports on the radio. It's uh, Gary Dickman and Chris Hart here on the Bobby Curran Show. Uh, we're going to talk high school sports with Kalani Takase from Scoring Live a little later on this hour. And uh, one of the things, one of the stories we're following is a Hawaii, more and more Hawaii high schools play uh, mainland football teams. There's no exception this week taking on four teams this week from the mainland. Yeah, really cool. Remember St. Louis played Bishop Gorman a few weeks ago. This week we have Mililani at Modern Day, Kamehameha at Liberty in Las Vegas, Kahuku at St. John Bosco. I mean, three of the top teams in the country uh, traditionally every year. So really, really good high school football there. Of course, we do have Punahou and St. Louis in a good local matchup, but the uh, Hawaii schools really having some tough schedules, and I give them credit for that. Already, we've taken on a number of mainland teams. IAEA went up and was victorious on the mainland, and uh, there's a great article in the Star Advertiser today. Speaking of the Star Advertiser, a must-read is Stephen Sy's uh, column today. It's absolutely fantastic. But uh, we'll move on and uh, talk about that a little later on. It's homecoming this week for University of Hawaii football against Duquesne. Duquesne, Duquesne is who we're playing. Uh, their head coach, will Jerry Schmidt, will join us tomorrow on the show, and they actually fly in today. They'll be arriving in a few hours, and, you know, I know some other schools like Vanderbilt got here real early. I didn't think Duquesne, you know, I'm not to get used to saying that. Uh, I hope I don't say that tomorrow with the coach. Uh, right. <laughs> watch, I will because of you. But uh, they get here real early in his homecoming game. <laughs> I'm hoping the fans are still going to be on board and get a sellout with 9,000 seats available. It shouldn't be a problem, but we'll have to wait and see. How many people changed the station already going, oh, see, I told you these guys don't know anything about sports. They called Duquesne Duquesne. All right. And uh, really what's taking what's taking on Sports Talk Radio all over the country is, uh, I don't know, kick or not to kick. That is the question from Monday Night Football. What a game. It was exciting. It was dramatic. And, you know, yesterday near the end of the show, you were saying how you were rooting for Geno Smith. I found myself rooting for Geno Smith without even thinking about it throughout that game yesterday. And I was glad for him. So that was exciting. I did say over the last few months I'm not sold on Denver because of a rookie head coach mainly, Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett. And he really screwed up with his clock management. I just could not believe, and I guess everybody watched watching or listening on radio were amazed that they let that clock run down to over a minute left in the fourth quarter, fourth and five, to about 30-something seconds left, and then went for a field goal after that when they were moving the ball so effectively the entire second half, critical third downs, third and long, third and five, they were converting almost entirely through the second half, and then he goes for a field goal saying, I didn't think our offense was doing well on that last drive. I thought he really messed up, and Russell Wilson, give him credit. He said, I didn't think it was the wrong decision, but uh-huh. 
He didn't say it was the right decision either. I, I kind of caught that. I'm not sure that was well, a hidden meaning there. Yeah, I mean, I think he was calm. Basically, what Russell Wilson, I think, said after the game was, look. I mean, he was doing the um, the Aaron Rodgers R-E-L-A-X in different words. He said, we got 16 more of these. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure that he's happy because the Broncos don't, they don't they don't play a lot of their starters at all during the preseason, and this is what you get, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there were a team that, I mean, giving up the ball twice on the goal line or in the end zone, I mean, they score, they had 178 more yards on offense, and they lose the game. They had so many penalties, right? How yeah. many penalties did they have, 12 or something like something that, like whatever that, yeah. it was? I mean, it was, um, it was... It was a really sloppy football game. It's it's frustrating if you're a, a Denver fan because they're moving the ball up and down the field, no problem. It's just when they get to the end zone, they just make stupid, stupid mistakes that you should not be making as a professional. And that's the frustrating part. Seattle, you know, I think people are overreacting about Seattle. I think people are happy because, you know, it was... Uh, you know, a quarterback that a lot of people counted out, including one Gary Dickman, over and over and over again for the past five years. Yeah. And uh, it was great to see it. I mean, he was playing out there with confidence. I haven't seen that before. You know, with a guy like that who was counted out, all of a sudden comes in and looks like an all-pro quarterback. I mean, what was he, 17 of 18 in the first half? Crazy. Yeah, he only missed one. In the first half, mm-hmm. he, he had a really good game. Twenty-three at twenty-eight is great. And what made me think is that the Jets screwed him up. But uh, you know, besides the point, you got to give Geno Smith a lot of credit for what he accomplished yesterday. That was really cool for him. And then he had the best quote uh, of the year after the game. He said, "A lot of people had written me off. I just didn't write back." And yeah, that was that, was that was a great comeback, great line. Everybody went uh, kind of went viral with that kind of with the the quote went viral. Uh, that was pretty interesting to see that him do that, and uh, I, it is just one game, but still, Seattle was fortunate to win. Denver was the better team, at least in the second half, and yeah, they screwed up. I, I feel bad for Russell Wilson to have to go through that and all the boos. Uh, I, I was kind of surprised he did get that reaction. A lot of chance of Geno kind of you know taking it to Russell Wilson as well, but. You know. What was Kevin? Is it Kevin Harlan, our radio broadcaster from Westwood yes. One? Yes. Kevin Harlan, what a great broadcaster! I mean, if yeah. you're going to like a broadcasting school, just listen to that guy. But um, he was—was was it him or I don't know who the analyst is? It's not Tony Baselli or something. It's anyway, not Boomer, is it? I don't remember. Oh, is it Kurt? It's Kurt Warner, I thought. Anyway, yeah, I think it's Kurt. Anyway, the point is, the, he goes, uh, you know, they boot him, and he goes, I guess they forgot about. You know, the Super Bowls that he brought the town to and all the um, children's hospitals, the hundreds of visits to children's hospitals. I don't know if it was a radio or maybe it was a press conference. Somebody said something like that. But anyway, it was said. And you know what? I mean, here's a guy, Russell Wilson. He he founded a school. He gave the city a school. And that's the way fans treat him. I get it. I don't think anyone truly um, hates Russell Wilson. I think that's just what the 12s do. I just wanted to say the 12s because everyone else is saying it nowadays. But that's what that's what those fans do. I mean, that crowd is unlike any other. I had heard that the uh, the noise level in, uh, is it Lumen Field? Yes. In Lumen Field is comparable to a 747's engine. It's unbelievable. If you're listening on the radio, you don't tell as much on TV because you have the visual. 
But when you're, I was driving around. Uh, I was hanging out at Dixie Grill for a little while. And then I had to run some errands. Was driving around, and just the crowd. It was like, can you pump up the pump up the announcers' mics a little bit? It was that loud. It was just crazy to play in that and have all of those people after ten years rooting against you instead of for you. Russell Wilson still twenty nine to forty two, three hundred forty yards and a touchdown. He had a great game. He did have a really good game, and I mentioned yesterday that I read, uh, heard on radio that the um, crowd at a WNBA game had booed him. He was in Seattle for a WNBA playoff game, I think, recently, and they were yeah. booing him, and that surprised me. So I wasn't shocked that he got booed last night, but I'm still surprised after all he's done with those Super Bowls. I mean, they, they, they won one Super Bowl. They lost one. It's not Russell Wilson's fault they lost that one. It was probably Pete Carroll's fault with the play call. And you're and booing the this guy? And the referees. They gave it to the Steelers. I'll admit. <laughs> well, oh, that was the other one. That was the other one way back when, right? Right. That was the one the Steelers beat the Seahawks, but it was really, it was on uh, it was some bad calls. Okay, but the New England one is when you know he got, they threw the ball instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch at the end. I, I saw an interesting. Well, no, no. Russell Wilson was on the Seahawks, wasn't he? Or was that um, the other guy? I don't think it was Wilson brother... back then. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But go ahead. One thing I, I saw interesting Wilson. when you talked a minute ago, Chris, about uh, Boy, time out. flies when you're getting old. <laughs> yeah. Sitting out in the preseason, quarterbacks that didn't play in the preseason going into last night were three and seven on Mon- on Sunday. Now three wow. and eight. So, yeah, I mean, I know you don't play them a whole lot, but are you on a new team and you don't play them at all? And I think it came back to haunt. I mean, look at the game he had despite that. But I think you just the rest of the team being in sync and – Again, it was an exciting game, and uh, I'm, I'm sure Denver is going to be good. They're better than I thought, actually, based on last night. They just well, make... you know, they have a good defense. Yeah, yeah. You know that Denver has a very good defense. But I think Jerry Judy and Russell Wilson are going to have a special Judy, season. Judy, Judy, yes, Jerry Judy. Look at um. So I mentioned Russell Wilson. Uh, he did get sacked a couple of times. So did Geno Smith. But Geno Smith, uh, after going 17 of 18 in the first half, 23 of 28. 195 yards, uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He has a uh, rating of 119.5. I believe, I'm going off of memory, I believe that's the highest uh, rating a quarterback had this past weekend in the NFL. I'm not sure about that, but if if it's not the highest, it's got to be right up there at the top. That's that's pretty impressive. Uh, The Denver, uh, rushing-wise, Melvin Gordon is good. Boy, but Javante Williams looks really good. For the Denver Broncos. And only seven carries. And I know they were passing a lot, especially in the second half when they were trailing. But, yeah, both running backs, I thought, looked good, actually. Just the fumbles. I mean, it was almost a butt fumble. I think that was Williams on the one where he ran into his offensive line, and then a couple, a second or two later he fumbled it into the end zone. But, I mean, that, that ball was on, like, the half-yard line, and they don't get it in. And, you know, you feel bad for Denver as well. They get a touchdown on that next-to-last drive, and it's off a uh, false start. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was the tight end who got in on that. And like Hackett said, you know, we walked into the end zone. You have a penalty like that because they kind of shot themselves in the foot, to use a cliche, on one of those drives at the end. And, yeah, it looked like it was, it looked like it was Denver's game in the fourth quarter. You knew they were going to come back and win. The way they had momentum and they kept moving the ball, converting on every third down, it seemed like, and it just wasn't meant to be for some reason. But, again, the clock management, I, don't, I, don't, I can't defend that. I don't think anybody can defend that, even though if you're Denver, you're saying the right things like Russell Wilson did. 
did. Uh, but I, I don't think I've ever seen a coach take a beating like that in clock management in a game situation <laughs> such as that. Uh, it just, again, everybody, Peyton Manning was going crazy on the Manning cast. Uh, oh, Ch- my goodness. Joe, uh, Joe Buck after the game saying it was one of the weirdest things he's ever seen. He and Troy Aikman agreed. They didn't want to throw him under the bus, but they couldn't ignore that it was probably one of the worst calls, moves by a coach in a very long time. And- I, 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 I keep forgetting about the whole Manning, uh, the Eli Manning and whatever. And they were being, I, I, so they were showing clips of it last night, I think during SportsCenter. And uh, they were seeing a stat about um, Geno Smith and how it was something like it was the first time a starter. No, no, it was, maybe it was the booing. It was like something like a team guy goes out and plays for another. You know, you go play against your old uh, in your old stadium and you get booed. That's the first time it didn't happen. And then um, for a person that's been traded or whatever it was, and then Peyton goes, "Well, that they, that happened to me a little bit." And he goes, yeah, but you got cut. That's right. <laughs> Did you line. see that? He goes, Eli's like, yeah, but you got cut. <laughs> I saw that clip. That was great. They do yeah. do a great job. But you don't get to see oh. as much of the game in a way because it doesn't have the big screen on the on the game. Half of it is on those guys, but they are very funny. They have great chemistry together. Uh, but that was a classic line. You know what they should do? I was at Dixie Grill watching the game a little bit, and – they should have on one TV, can you do this? On one TV, you have the game, and on another TV, you have the Peyton broad, the, the Manning broadcast. You can go kind of back and forth, right? Yes. That would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. Right, and, and the, that's what I did. Yeah. No delay, so it was, it was a good thing to do here and there for, during that game. Hmm. The, uh, I'm looking at you know some of these guys on Seattle. Now, their defense, unfortunately, they lost Jamal Adams. Do we know how long he's out for? Is it he, all year? Carroll indicated it's going to be a, it's a serious injury. We'll find out probably oh, today. Right. But he made it sound like after the game that it's going to be long-term, not short-term. Yeah, so that's unfortunate Yeah. Uh, for Seattle. Now, this defense, now this isn't the Legion of Boom. You know, those guys all aged out, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, this is a defense that didn't really all of a sudden. If you are following the Seattle Seahawks, you would know that their defense has been improving the last couple of years. It's a very young defense, but they have been improving, and they just did it on a national stage for everybody to see last night. Seattle doesn't get a ton of national televised games, I don't think, um, and something about being in the Northwest or whatever it is. But here's a couple of guys that took me by surprise. For example, what is a Colby Parkinson or a Will Disley? <laughs> yeah, Who are those guys? My goodness, they didn't get many targets, but they're tar- when they, tar- they when they did get targeted five times between them, they scored two touchdowns and gained eighty six yards. I mean, those guys were the heroes of the game. Yeah, Disley's one; he was wide open and almost walked in. But yeah, I, I don't think I've ever heard of him before. But that was kind of impressive. We didn't see much of DK Metcalf. I mean, he had seven catches, but it didn't seem like sure. he was heavily involved. I didn't get to see. I didn't feel no like yak. I was seeing him throughout the game. No yak, short right. passes with no yak, mm-hmm. and that's what you got with him. Um, Tyler Lockett had had three uh, receptions, but um, Noah Fent, who was in that part of that trade. Mm-hmm. with the uh, Denver Broncos. He came from Denver, part of the Russell Wilson trade. I mean, he got three, um, you know, he got three out of the four targets for him. Rashad Penny 
uh, formerly of, wait, where is he from? San Diego, San Diego State. State. Yeah, yeah. San Diego State. It seems like he's been in the league for a long time. But this is, I guess, his final year. I mean, this is his year where people are actually going, hey, get that guy, you know, fantasy-wise or yeah. whatever. People are talking about Rashad Penny uh, for the first time. I mean, he's been in the league. I guess he's been in the league for four years. I think so. For no Chris Carson. Was, right. For some reason, I thought that he was much older. But anyway, um, you know, he had five yards of carry. I would have given him the ball a little bit more. In fact, they only had 19 uh, 19 carries. And somebody like Geno Smith, you would think, oh, you know, make sure you run the ball a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they only had 76 yards, and they weren't trailing. So, I mean, you'd think they might even run it a little bit more to use the clock a little bit. I know in the fourth quarter, and I think maybe the last two drives, they ran it more to use the clock, but that's not a lot of carries. And I'm also waiting for uh, Kenneth Walker, the rookie out of Michigan State, who is hurt. Uh, hopefully he'll be back soon for a few reasons. One, he was great in college. Two, he's on my fantasy team. But, uh, yeah, Rashad Penny, I think, was uh, is kind of expected to have kind of a breakout season without Chris Carson there now. Yes, and um, I don't know. It was it was neat. It was neat to watch Geno Smith. I'm trying to think of, you know, when you were watching, did you what, what, at what point did you say, okay, I was wrong? First half. When, and I was thinking of you right away. And again, I found myself cheering, rooting for him. And maybe because he was. Well, just, I think you should. Why would you root against the guy? Well, I was. Well, it's, it's a not great was, story. It is. It is. It is. And I was. The only wrong reason yesterday. you would root against the guy is because you didn't, wouldn't want to be wrong. No, it's not that. I. You know what? It probably is subconsciously, and I'll admit it. When you have a guy on your team in any sport, and he's so-so, and then he goes to another team and has success, you might feel a little. But aren't you used to that? Yeah, aren't you used, used to feeling to that way? Yes, I am. Big That's time. how Every people sport. do. They they go, they get drafted by the Jets, and they go, all right, five years from now, I'll either be a franchise player and make a lot of money, or I'll be another team. I'm just going to have to sit here and be a Jet for four years. Happens to all my teams. I mean, Nolan Ryan was once a Met. They trade him, and look what he does with the Angels and Astros and Rangers. I mean, it just happens a lot. But you're right. I was wrong yesterday to think that way. You know what else was kind of weird? I saw a few drives in this game where Russell Wilson gets stopped on Denver, of course. And then I'm watching, and I'm looking at the TV like, how come Russell Wilson's on offense right now? Seattle has the ball. I kept having to remind myself that he's not on Seattle. And it might have been because of those oh. uniforms, which I like. But I was so used to it that I'm thinking Russell Wilson's on offense again. How did he – did that happen? I had to you know, keep on reminding myself because it was just a still a weird sight seeing him not in the lime green, I guess, but the Denver white, blue, and orange. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, that was a fun game. It was a fun game to watch. Not a, a, a game of great execution. If you're back at Broncos camp right now, you can't be happy about that. But no. is it all now? Is it all Nathaniel Hackett's fault? What if he really thought, you know what? I mean, okay, I'm going to go off of uh, the press conference and said, hey, we've got the best kicker in the league, uh, 64 yards. Uh, before, Russell Wilson even said before the game, uh, we said, hey, where would you like it? And he said, uh, 46, left hash or whatever. And that's exactly where the ball was on that third down. 46 yards, left hash or right hash, whatever it was. And uh, so it's fourth down now, and he goes off and takes that 64 yard. Look, he's hit him before. Granted, he's not in Denver. He's in Seattle. Is there is the air heavier in Seattle? I don't know. But made, oh. they, you know. But but the point is, 
Here's a guy, they said, hey, you know what, this guy can do it. What if they really thought, hey, we're going to win it with a 64-yard field goal? I know that's crazy talk if this was a few years ago, but, man, these kickers, a lot of these kickers in the NFL, 64 yards probably isn't a problem. I'd say for eight eight kickers at least in the NFL. It would have been the, or it would have tied, I believe, for the second longest field goal in history. They actually announced on TV that he, he actually has a higher percentage of field goals on the road than at home which is even a little bit more amazing. I guess they had confidence in him, and he is that good. He's one of the most consistent kickers, he and Justin Tucker, I think, in the league. But I think at that point, the thing is, you could have gotten closer. You on fourth and five with about a minute left. They were moving the ball five yards at a crack pretty convincingly right. all throughout the second half. Why well, not okay. give them a little easier t- t- uh, Fourth pass? and five. That's, okay, fourth and five, and you go if you get four yards, the game is over. Right. At least yes. they took a, At least they at least they took a shot and said, hey, you know what? We're going to try and win this game and we're going to try and win it right now with our best kicker. I guess people don't believe that because that's what they're saying. But a lot of people don't believe that they they thought this was some kind of accident. Was it? No. And that's what makes it, I think, even more disturbing to some people oh. <laughs> is that it wasn't an accident. <laughs> that they kind of planned it. But you let you you had the time out. You could have talked it over. And you had Russell Wilson on the field. It was all of a sudden they switched and put the field goal unit on. I think what most people would, would agree maybe is that you have a higher percentage of converting fourth and five the way they were moving the ball than getting a 64-yard field goal. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, coming up on ESPN Honolulu, it is uh, Kalani Takase is going to be joining us in, oh, about 10, 15 minutes. And uh, more on uh, what's coming up this weekend in high school football with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, hey, check it out. According this is a great uh, this is a not a good stat. According to Feeding America, 1 in 10 people in Hawaii face hunger, while 1 in 6 children here go hungry as well. We ask you to please give to the Hawaii Food Bank. Visit hawaiifoodbank.org. A message here from Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. Stay tuned as we discuss the winners and losers of the 2022 Emmy Awards. <laughs> Only on ESPN Honolulu. Oh my goodness! The uh, what's the guy? The host name? Keenan Allen Thompson. Keenan Thompson no, from SNL. He has three names, doesn't he? No, no, I don't think. Did so. you see the opening uh, of that show? I thought it was great. They had a little dance number. I thought yeah. that was great. And then it was boring from there. They had the Brady anyway. Bunch kids, but only well, one was Marsha was missing. Yeah, that's what my wife said. It was basic. Uh, I thought it was basically just the boys. No, the girls were there. Jan. Peter, Bobby, and ba- Peter, Bobby, and uh, Pe- Greg. Greg, yeah, but um, Jan was there, and the younger girl. I forget the younger girl's name. Cindy. Cindy, but there was no Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Oh. That hmm. wasn't even explained in the press afterwards. I didn't, unless they did. I'm <laughs> wondering why she wasn't there. Maybe she's just moved on. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe she's the <laughs> These other guys on. are all, what? Yeah. I'm going to be on TV? Yeah. Again? <laughs> it's been 40 years. Uh, weather today, it's going to be mostly sunny. Trades are still only like 10 to 20 miles per hour. It's going to be humid today and worse tonight. Got a 64-degree uh, humidity during the day today. Tonight, 71. Whoa. That's a lot. That's really high, especially for here. Yeah, let's all just smell together in this uh, beautiful (laughs) weather.
Anyway, uh, high school football uh, coming up. Kalani Takase is going to join us in a few minutes. But we got more and more, it seems, every year. Every year, your St. Louis's and maybe Kahuku's and a couple of other teams, will uh, Punahou will always play mainland teams. Now you have Iaea, Farrington, all of these other teams making treks to the mainland or facing teams here. I really like this kind of – it's kind of like non-conference play in college football. I love it, too. I think it's great that they get to go to the mainland and play these top schools, and then you get a Bishop Gorman coming down here every now and then. And I, I remember when uh, Tua went up against, I believe, Josh Rosen at Aloha Stadium many years ago. Some of those schools have come down here, and they're playing the best in the country. And even though they don't win all of these games, they've won a number. I mean, B- Bishop Gorman really took it to St. Louis a couple of weeks ago, but Bishop Gorman is that good. St. Louis had a, a lot of turnover, almost like UH in a way. But it's great to see them schedule this top and i just get more and more impressed by the high school football talent in this state all the time every year it seems like it gets better and better i mean when you have a, a manti teo or a tua tongo vailoa mackenzie milton i mean it used to be just alignment back in like the 90s or 80s i guess that were the big bigger names in high school football now you're getting all these skill position players yeah it's great and hopefully they can pull an upset this weekend well, at least one of those teams if not more yeah. You know what? When Kalani comes on, I want to talk about girls' volleyball because it's girls' volleyball season. And I would like to particularly give a shout-out to CA Christian Academy oh. beating assets 3-1. to one. Way to go, Christian Academy. Way to go, Patriots. Come well, on. You're going to mention Punahou. Punahou's number one in the poll, the advertiser poll at least. Boring. It's like you're playing golf with a guy who hits it straight down the middle every time. Boring. Wouldn't you like to be boring? I would love to be boring. I mean, the show is boring, but I would love to be a boring golfer. Number one, Punahou over number two, Iolani. Uh, it was uh, so Punahou is now undefeated, three and zero. Oh. Uh, Iolani is one and one, and and that was at Iolani. Um, I can't believe this is great. This is great. We got to stay on top of this, you know, because a lot of teams who don't get some love on the radio ever, and they should. Pahoa beat Lapahoyhoy. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Wait a minute, that's coming up. Sorry, it's a long right? trip for Pahoa. Is it? Yeah, it's pretty long. I would say a good forty miles at least, maybe mm. fifty for the Big Island. That's really far. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are games coming up. I'm just looking at scoringlive.com here. So Punahou plays Iolani. They didn't beat Iolani. Well, they're number one in the poll, at least. I know that. Yeah, so Punahou, that would be be a game to go to. Actually, I would. You're right. I wonder if uh, if, uh, um, OC16 is going to have that. Are they putting uh, girls' volleyball games on? I believe they are. They are. And for tonight, they... um... High school volleyball, they do have Hawaii Baptist versus uh, Damien, and oh. then Le Jardin against University Lab. That's for tonight for high school volleyball. Uh, tomorrow, no high school volleyball on TV. No love for Christian Academy. Come on. Who do you talk to over there? Come on. Is, is it Dave Vinton? Who Dave do we Vinton, talk to? I think. Felipe. Yeah. Who, who do we talk to over there? Give the Patriots of Christian Academy some love. Come on. We have uh, Scott Robbs on our show tomorrow to talk Rainbow Wahine volleyball. Maybe we can ask him because he's with Spectrum as well. Does he do volleyball games? Uh, well, he, I mean, for, for, uh, for I don't think he does high school, no, on Spectrum, but he does UH volleyball, so he might, I'm sure he keeps up. What about Jimmy, Jimmy the Geek? We'll call Jimmy. 
Jimmy's Jimmy. He'll, he's got some push. He's got some pull down there. All right. Tiff Wells right. might be able to line something else. He's done stuff for Spectrum before for volleyball. Oh, very cool. All right. Hey, uh, Kalani Takase from Scoring Live is going to uh, come up uh, next, and we're going to talk about the uh, Christian Academy Patriots and the assets, <laughs> assets, admirals. Ooh. You don't act like you're not impressed. I'm, That's coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Kalani Takase joins us from scoringlive.com. Good morning, Kalani. I, I know that uh, you probably thought we were going to talk about football, but let's talk a little let's talk a little Punahou Iolani volleyball, huh? Come on. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Let's start the, let's start the morning with the curveball. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do, do you do you cover do you cover volleyball for scoring live? You know I do, Chris Hart. I, I'm sorry. I'm just trying. I'm trying. I'm saying. Okay, can we get some? Or can we get some photos of the Patriots of Christian Academy, please? All I see is a score here. Are they worthy of a story? Again, uh, sure. Silence. But you know, I'm just. I'm just. Uh, I'm just a worker bee. So you need to. Uh, follow <laughs> human resources, rather. No. Yeah. I'm giving you a hard time. I'm giving you a hard time. But anyway, good morning, Kalani. Let's talk about football. Gary, go ahead. Okay. Let's talk about one of the more entertaining games, at least to watch from a distance because of the mud and the rain. Kahuku and Campbell, an entertaining game. I think a lot of fans kind of enjoyed it. Uh, the players, I'm not sure. 16-6. Uh, I give Campbell a lot of credit. They didn't win that game, but, boy, did they give Kahuku all they could handle. Yeah, for sure. And definitely uh, different. Kind of had an old-school feel to it, right, um, just um, the mud mud bog conditions and all of that. Um, you know, it was definitely a different feel from Campbell's game against Mililani a few weeks back. That was a shootout. This one was just uh, this one was just a defensive, you know, um, back and forth uh, mud bog, really. And um, like you said, give Campbell a lot of credit. They hung in there. Um, you know, they, they struggled offensively, obviously, but, uh, you know, their defense kept them in it. Um, and they're still a team that I think, um, you know, has – the potential to make a push in the postseason. Um, I think they're going to – I believe they have a bye this week now after this game. And, um, I think they're going to, you know, learn a lot from this game, especially their young quarterback, Jaren Sanapolitele, um, because that Kahuku defense is, is very good, as we've seen. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks now, they've uh, risen to the challenge, right? Last week against uh, – two weeks ago against Punahou, came down to the last play, and then, you know, this week, uh, this past weekend against Campbell, um, they just put the class down against the Sabres, and this was an offense that was uh, rolling and um, feeling good about itself, and Kuku came into town and then had six sacks, and um, I think what they did offensively, even though it was only 16 points, um, I think it shouldn't be overlooked. I think the fact that Mike Crawford was able to go 19 of 27 for 200 yards, and he didn't throw a touchdown, but he
you look at um, Campbell's two losses by ten to Kahuko this past Saturday, of course. And Mililani, they only lost by one, and that was a game that really could have gone either way. You've got to give them credit, even though their record might not show it. They've had a pretty good season. They've been competitive in every game, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that, that play for sure, that game, yeah, it came down to that play. And, um, you know, Rod York was the first to acknowledge it. I, I, I had to talk to him for uh, a story about Gavin Hunter. and He was our athlete of the week or male athlete of the week that, that week for, uh, you know, his efforts in that game. Um, and the first thing, uh, you know, Coach York, York said was, yeah, it could, it, it could have gone either way. You know, it came down to that play and it could have gone either way. I think the Sabres um, have a lot of firepower and they're a really exciting team to watch. Um, they have a lot of uh, talent. Um, especially in their receiving core, I would say. Um, but also defensively, you know, they have some guys who are uh, hard to miss, you know, blessing Alu-Alu to Leole he's a stud. Um, just just guys, you know, playmakers all over the field. I think Tana Tavui is a guy, he's just a sophomore now, but we saw him step into their starting quarterback role as a freshman last year, and we saw what he could do there. He's playing mostly receiver now, um, but he plays defense as well. Uh, this is a team with, a lot of time, and um, I think you know them having a bye week now, and then they kind of uh, you know have uh, opponents that they should be able to to um, they, they have an advantage over, frankly, in Moanalua. Um, I think they'll build back some confidence, and then they have a big one at Tafole on October first. Kalani Takase from ScoringLive.com with the Animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. I want to talk about some of the big games for Hawaii schools up in the mainland this week, but Chris was mentioning earlier about giving love to some of the teams and sports we don't talk as much about. I just want to ask you about a quarterback from Kona Waina, Kiyoki Alani. I'm looking at his numbers, 1,528 yards, 25 touchdown passes, only four interceptions, a quarterback rating of 201.2. Can you tell us a little bit more about this D1 standout? Yeah, sure. I believe uh, Kiyoki Alani is a second-year starter for this Konawana team, and you know he's obviously uh, taking some big strides from that first uh, year that he was a starter. Um, they they started the year on the road in Utah against this Granger team, and I think they lost 16-0. Um, and he slung the ball 15 times, 55 times that game, um, three interceptions. Uh, since then, he's thrown 24 touchdowns and one interception. So. Um, yes, you know, the BIF is, um, is probably down this year, I think it's fair to say, you know, having seen um, Hilo with my own eyes against the Haina Luna, albeit in week one. Um, Konawaina definitely, we thought that they were kind of close in the preseason, to be honest, Konawaina and Hilo. Um, but it's become pretty clear that Konawaina is leaps and bounds with the best team on the Big Island. And, um, Kyoki Alani is definitely a big reason for that. Kalani, I did want to talk about these mainland games. We're going to continue talking about them. We'll let you go. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we'll be talking about one of the upsets uh, with these three high schools going up to the mainland this weekend to play some top-notch competition. Thanks again for joining us. All right, guys. Have a good day. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. Kalani Takase from uh, Scoring Live. And you can check out uh, Scoring Live's uh, collaboration with ESPN Honolulu. High School Sports Weekly, most Thursdays at 2 p.m. here on ESPN Honolulu. And I uh, want to let you know, Call the Coach is happening tomorrow. Go on down there and support Coach Timmy and his gang. It's at Ruby Tuesday. Moanalua starts at 6 o'clock. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu.
Real quick, Kalani Takase is hanging with us from Scoring Live. Sorry, Kalani, because I wanted to get to this. We've been talking about these mainland matchups for these Hawaii teams. Yeah, we wanted to talk about the three coming up with Mililani at Modern Day, Kamehameha, uh, Kamehameha at Liberty, and Kahuku with number one, St. John Bosco. Your thoughts on these games and if uh, Hawaii schools a chance to win any of them? Uh, well, I think um, there, there's always a chance, but I think it's going to be tough sledding for, for our Hawaii teams up there in um, Southern California and, and Las Vegas. Um, I guess let's start with the Kamehameha, you know, and um, Liberty. Uh, frankly, you know, not knowing much about this Liberty squad this season, um, but knowing that, you know, the, the kind of season that Kamehameha has had so far, uh, they struggled for sure. And, um, you know, they're, they're really uh, kind of trying to find a run game going. And, um, you know, they've got a, they've, they were hit by a lot of injuries in the preseason. Um, they only played three games, I believe, so far. Uh, they're coming off a, a lopsided loss against St. Louis. So, um, surely, Coach, uh, you know, well, I shouldn't put words into Coach Abumafala's mouth, but I would think <laughs> that um, his priority is next week's game against Punahou and not so much this game against Liberty. Um, that's just my thoughts on it. Um, as far as uh, Mililani Modern Day, you know, Modern Day and St. John Bosco, what, what fans have here have to understand is those two teams are ranked number one and number two in the country uh, by USA Today and Max Preps. Um, number one and two in the country. <laughs> so our, our two teams here are going up against the very best in the country right now. Um, and they're playing them in their house, basically. You know, yes, Mililani's playing modern day at St. John Bosco. It's a 30-minute drive for those guys, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, they, I believe they've, they've uh, never trailed at any point this season, from what I've read. <laughs> and, uh, played, you know, every opponent they play, they've mercy ruled, basically. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough task. It's going to be a big call order for Mililani to go there and, and you know, take on this modern-day team that is accustomed to, um, as these other teams are as well, Bosco, Liberty, um, Bishop Gorman. They, they play, you know, these national schedules where they go all over the country and they, they play the best teams in the country every week. Every week is a huge week. Um, and then for Kahuku, you know, it's the same thing. They're playing this Bosco team at their house. Kahuku's going to be without their top playmaker again, Kai Kai Carvalho. We may not see him this season. Hopefully we do. Um, but he definitely won't be playing tomorrow night. And, you know, this Kahuku team, they, I, talked, I talked about how they have a lot of talent, a depth of talent. Um, but they also rely on um, some guys to go both ways, a good amount of guys actually and, and a bunch of them not to no to no one's surprise are their top athletes, you know, guys like Rock Fonoy Moana, uh Kai Kai Carvalho's younger brother, Kaimana Carvalho. At times you see Leon Galefao and Leonard Ayu as a tight end on offense or wide receiver. Um that's that takes a toll on, on these young men. You know, it's it's firing, it, it's uh and it just it beats you up, you know, and, and if they're gonna be asked to do that against the number one or number two team in the country um, it, it's, it's again, it's a tall task and, and a lot to ask of these guys. So, uh, you know, hopefully our team can keep it competitive up there. Um, but again, it's you know, it, it's going to be a, a, a tough task up there. Right on. Hey, Kalani, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for being with us today. We appreciate you, man. Thanks, Kalani. All right, guys. Take care. 
All right, Kalani Takase from Scoring Live, and uh, the uh, you know how we say Stephen Sai is the star of the Star Advertiser. Kalani Takase is the star of Scoring Live, right here on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show with Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. I want to look up this. I want to look up the roster of St. John Bosco, number one team in the country. Let's see how big these guys. They're probably all like three hundred pounders, six six, three hundred yeah. pounds. I mean, how does Every guy not go to a D1 college from there. Anyway, more on that, top stories and buy or sell, all coming up with the animals this morning on ESPN Honolulu. Whoa! I'm looking at the roster for St. John Bosco. They got this one cat. Uh, his name is Puka Moe. Puka. They named him Puka. Uh, Puka Moe is an off- a sophomore offensive lineman. He's 6'1", 356 pounds. Whoa. <laughs> they got they got another kid, another offensive lineman. He's a sophomore. He is, uh, oh, darn pop-ups. Hold on a second. He <laughs> is 6 feet, 385 pounds. Wow. <laughs> Have that guy leaning on you all day. My gosh, some of these guys are just, uh, uh, they're just very large. They have a lot of large people on this team. But uh, anyway, let's uh, look forward to all these matchups. Hawaii against the mainland. Hawaii's number one against the nation's number one. All right, let's get into scoring live, and then we got our top stories. Tanner? The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. I think you meant to say buy or sell there, but we had high school football on the mind. <laughs> Let's get into scoring live. That's what and I said. Yeah. It's basically that's ba- almost buy or sell in a way. If you like, if you like, put it in Google Translate and then put it through six different languages, you would probably get to around buy or sell. That's what oh he was my going gosh, for. I'm losing it. I'm losing it as every day I lose it just a little bit more. Well, good I, morning, well, especially but, for since you. the since the uh, scoring live show is preempted this week. This is the Scoring Live uh, radio show going on this morning. Anyway, go ahead, Tanner. All righty. Well, last night on Monday Night Football, it certainly was a, a thriller for the Broncos and Seahawks as Russell Wilson returns to Seattle and drops a good one, 17-16 for Seattle. And now for the Seahawks, Geno Smith went in 23-28, for 28, 195 yards and two touchdowns. And after the game was asked about his performance, and he said, hey, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. Buy or sell. If the Seahawks can keep playing like this consistently, they will make a return to the playoffs. I'm buying. Buying 100%. Although that phrase doesn't make sense. Everybody loves it. It went viral. They wrote me off, but I didn't write them back. That doesn't make sense. They wrote to me, but I didn't write them back. That makes sense. But I'm buying it. I'm actually going to sell that. Uh, And I'll tell you why. No belief in Gino. No, I'll tell you why. He had a great game, yes. But they didn't deserve to win. I mean, Denver shot themselves in the foot again, to use that cliche. They had two touchdowns that they lost self-inflicted fumbles. 
and they screwed up the last play of the game or the last drive of the game. And I think Seattle's going to be good. Jamal Adams, if he's out for a while, is going to hurt them. I hope Geno does have success. But that was a game that's going to help them with their overall win-loss record, of course. I don't know if they could continue to win if they can't close out a team. And they weren't closing out Denver yesterday. Denver closed themselves out. So I'm selling. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Uh, some really great performances from this weekend. We could hone in on some rookies. And one rookie that played very well was number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, who in the loss to the Washington Commanders had a sack and an interception. Of course, that interception did eventually lead to a Jaguars 22-14 to lead at that time. Buy or sell. Through the entire preseason and game one of the regular season, Trayvon Walker is looking like the best rookie in the NFL. Oh, I haven't seen all the rookies in the NFL, so I don't know. But based on what I've seen, bye, 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 bye. I'm going to sell. I think uh, partly it's just too early to say anybody's been the best rookie so far. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit. say it because he said so far. I know, but I don't think anybody deserves that title, even though it's been one week and you want to pick somebody. I'm going to go with somebody else, and I very rarely will pick a player on my team, but I'm going to go with the Sauce, Sauce Gardner. Because remember, Jacksonville lost, the Jets lost, the Sauce had a pretty good game for the mighty, mighty, in 20 years, Super Bowl champion New York Jets. Enjoy him while you can, because in four years, he'll be gone. Probably right. You're probably right. (laughs) Buy or sell. And finally, because it is Tuesday and the week one is over for the regular season. And to keep up with the power ranking culture of ESPN and all other, you know, sporting websites. Uh Buy uh or sell right now. The Buffalo Bills are the number one team in the NFL. Buy. Buy 100%. Offense, defense, special teams. In my opinion, the best quarterback in the league. Maybe they could use a better running game if you're trying to find fault by 100%. Wow, that's a tough one because I I still, when you look at week one, I think Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, what, 360 yards or so? He looked really good. Josh Allen had, I think, 290, 297. I'm going to sell that. I I think Mahomes maybe showed that uh, he and his Chiefs are still number one, although Buffalo is right up there. So I'm going to sell that just to be... Just to be uh, having fun, I guess. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And that was today's Buy or Sell on ESPN Honolulu. All right, good morning. It's the Sports Animals on the Bobby Curran Show. It's going to be mostly sunny today. Trade's still kind of light, 10 to 15 miles per hour. Going to be humid today and really humid tonight. So uh, be ready for that. We can all sleep sleep naked if you can because it's the humidity up to about 71% tonight. That is nuts. Now, we've got breaking news as we start the 7 o'clock hour here today. The Phoenix Suns owner, Robert Sarver, has been suspended for a year and fined $10 million after investigation finds uh, the conduct clearly violated workspace standards. This comes from ESPN.com. The... Or, the um, I guess uh, in November of 2021, ESPN published a story based on interviews with more than 70, that's a big sample size, more than 70 current and former employees. It included allegations of 
racism, misogyny, um, hostile and toxic workplace. While the owner, uh, by the way, he's been the majority owner since 2004. During his tenure, all of this uh, aforementioned stuff is going on behind the scenes. Now, this guy also owns the Phoenix Mercury. And uh, he's got to uh, complete a training program focused on respect and appropriate conduct in the workplace. You know, maybe they should have these guys go through that because we hear more and more about this, right? Yeah. We hear about guys taking photos in the cheerleaders' locker room for the Dallas Cowboys and them covering it up and the watch everything that's going on with the what was then the Washington Redskins. And we hear these stories time and time again. And it's like maybe ownership needs to go through these types of um, programs when they take over the team. Not that maybe it's going to help some of these guys because they're just not nice people. But $10 million fine, one-year suspension, what say you? Well, a fine's probably not going to affect him that much. Uh, the suspension is interesting. I mean, it could have been worse. They could have suspended him for a longer period of time or taken away his team, a la Donald Sterling. So maybe he's getting off easy. How ironic would it be if they win the championship this year and he's not there to get the trophy? He's not allowed in the facility, uh, and they are that good of a team. I, I hate the sense of entitlement when people in power, authority, or just have a lot of money think they can get away with these things. And there's been story after story uh, coming out, at least allegations in the NBA found that there's a lot to it and he deserves it he deserves that i again in a way i think he might have gotten off easy with only one year again i don't think the money's going to hurt him i don't know what his worth is but any nba owner is probably close to a billionaire so i don't think 10 million is going to hurt them that much i'm, I'm glad they did something about it you, you can't ignore it and it bothers a lot of people and it should that this goes on at all hopefully this will stop other owners or people in power in sports from doing some things like this in the future. It's just awful that you'd have to work in your maybe a dream job in the NBA or any other sport and have to deal with things like this. Yeah, and it is a dream job, so you put up with it. Uh, you know, you've heard of this. I've seen people being interviewed and stuff. You, It's a dream job. You, you, and it's, this is what you want to do, and you put up with it year after year after year until finally, I mean, it affects you as a human being. It affects your, It affects you mentally. Where you're just you're you're not the same person anymore. Right. That's how dangerous all of this stuff is. I think that one year and ten million dollars, the guy got off easy. In today's in in, in in this day and age, a year fine is basically a year vacation. You can't come to the game, you can't go to any function for the WNBA or NBA, take a year off and uh, give us write us a check for ten million dollars, we're gonna give it to charity. The guy got off easy. He'll probably raise ticket prices to cover the $10 million fine. <laughs> but I'm glad, and again, we could see this coming because there's been stories about this for the last, what, seven, eight months, if not a year. Uh, right. So, I'm, you know, again, it's unfortunate that it happened. It's, it's awful that it happened. But I'm glad he has to pay a price, even though it doesn't seem very steep. All right. Other uh, top stories today. Hey, it's a homecoming this week for University of Hawaii. Uh, taking on Duquesne, Duquesne one and two in the NEC, New England Conference. What what does that North stand for? East, I think it's the Northeastern Conference. I believe. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so you say Duquesne? They're from um, uh, Pittsburgh, huh? 
Yeah, you know what's weird about this? I was there for March Madness years ago when UMass oh, was that's playing. Right. Uh-huh. And I've never seen a college basically in the middle of the suburbs. I mean, it's down these side streets where the bus couldn't even turn into the street right before it. It's just well, usually, you know, you're on, you're on a campus that's separated. It's like, uh, it's like St. Francis. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know what? Right? I actually thought that the first time I went to St. Francis. It's exactly what I thought. Um, uh. Very small school. Um but football-wide, you know, they you mentioned yesterday they played Florida State. Maybe they got a lot. They, they did get a lot of money from that. They're arriving today, and it used to never be like that. I know Vanderbilt got here a week early. I heard Tiff Wells saying USC volleyball was here for five days before their match the other day, staying on the North Shore. Uh, these schools are talking about money. They don't like the athletes getting money, but boy, they could short travel pretty well and stay uh-huh. in Hawaii for a long time, which is great for them. Uh, hopefully, they'll be right. For, for a loss, and hopefully Hawaii can get their first win of the season. Uh, they did win over, I think, Thomas Moore last Saturday in NAIA school. That's their only win of the season so far. You know, I got to a few facts, you know, things that we should know about Duquesne. Uh, number one, it's not pronounced Duquesne. It's Duquesne. <laughs> it was founded in 1878. It's a private Catholic coeducational university located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They have 46 buildings over 48 acres. I just thought people might want to know that. I didn't know it was that big even. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you might ask yourself, um, what is Duquesne University famous for? It's the first university in the nation to offer combined biomedical engineering and nursing dual degrees. Of course. Ah, That put them on the map. (laughs) That put them on the map. Okay. Uh, fast, fa- uh, quick question, trivia question. What's their mascot? What are they called? What's their nickname? The oh, I'm not looking. Dukes? No, is it the Duke? No. No, you just looked down. I swear I, I did. I swear I did. You put your head in your hands and you looked down. I swear I did. I wouldn't lie about that. I, I've <laughs> anyway, heard it before. Yes, the Duquesne Dukes. They're one and two on the season. Now we've pl- they played the University mm-hmm. of Hawaii before, uh, back in 2018. Yeah. And uh, quarterback was Cole McDonald. He threw for 273 yards and five touchdowns, uh, and Hawaii beat him. Uh, let's see, what was the final score? Uh, blah, 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 42 to 21. Right, 42 to 21. Man, if if we can get half those points, half those points, and half those yardages, and half those touchdowns, that's going to be improvement. We had our first sack of the first two sacks of the season last week. Let's hope we get a few touchdown passes. That's a hard back to ignore even though we know the competition especially with michigan was tough but three games without a touchdown pass um that that, that's i that's that's hard to accept and i think i really think things are going to change because of the schedule among other factors uh but i'm I'm hoping this team can enjoy the 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 taste of success and timmy chan can get his first game ball winning his first game as a head coach and i'm hoping there's again a lot of fans there to support him, I'm, I'm not sure if tomorrow night for call the coach if we'll hear who the starting quarterback is. I, I have a feeling if Shager is healthy, he will be the starter. I don't think Yellen helped his stock with what he did last week, even though, again, it was against the number four team. But I'm, I'm hoping Hawaii can continue to take at least these small steps. They have shown improvement. It might not look that way if you're just looking at the numbers, but they have the defense got better against no. Western Kentucky. Yeah, and I think last week they showed some better. things. Yeah, right. There has been improvement. Now, Hawaii is starting 0-3, and this is the first time since 2013. Who was the coach in 2013? That would be Norm. We were 1-11 that year. Oh, that was definitely Norm Chow. 
Oh, okay. Was it that long ago already? He came right after Coach Mack, 2011, man, 2015 man, or 16. Yeah. That's been a long time. We, we should give the guy a break already. It's still 2022. <laughs> yes. But uh, that year, Hawaii uh, loses to USC 30-13. to That's not totally disrespectful, is it? Not at I all. Mean, Probably was the best loss of the season, which might sound crazy. They lose. Then they lose to Oregon State, thirty-three to fourteen. They get smashed by Nevada, thirty-one to nine. They get nipped by Fresno State, forty-two to thirty-seven. They lose to San Jose, thirty-seven to twenty-seven. They get nipped by UNLV, thirty-nine to thirty-seven. I remember that game now. Uh, they lose to they. They lost to Colorado State by a touchdown. They got killed by Utah State. Remember, that was when Utah State was good. Uh, they got beat up by Navy. They uh, lost to San Diego State in overtime by one touchdown. We Now, we lost to Wyoming, and that was when Josh Allen was the quarterback, right? No, not we in 2013. We lost 59-56. Oh, okay. Uh, but we beat Army the last day on senior night. That's got to be gratifying. I mean, you don't want to go through a 1-11 season. But, uh, you know, you lose a lot of close games, as we just heard. You get, you know, smashed in a lot of games. But the last game of the season for the seniors, you go out a winner with a win over Army by a touchdown. You know what I remember about that game, and it was so sad, that morning of that game, a running back who was a transfer from Washington, whose name escapes me right now, he drowned at Sandy Beach earlier in the morning. From where? From he, he Hawaii? Was a, he was, yeah, yeah, he was a Hawaii's running back. I'll, somebody will come up with his name. And uh, they still played that. the game, of course, and I know they had heavy hearts. So it was nice to get that one win, but even especially under those circumstances. That, that was a, a, a really surreal feeling at Aloha Stadium that night. I just remember the mood and the atmosphere that night. But at least they did get that win. I think they did it for him, of course. Yeah, they, we, uh, uh, that was the days of Sean Schroeder and Scott Harding and Joey Iosefa. Steve Lakalaka had a touchdown in that Army game. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's hopefully we don't go 1-11. But if we're going to win one, that's one to win is at least senior night, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That doesn't but happen I, all the time. But, I, you know, you just hate to see that for the coaching staff and the kids to go. I mean, to go 0-10, that's got to be tough. It looks like it's already tough at 0-3. I think this, like you said, I'll build off of what you said. In my mind, this is a must-win game this weekend. Yeah, and that sounds weird. I just want to go back to something real fast. When you talk about 0-10, I remember the 0-12 season, hearing Bobby Curran like almost every week saying, you know, I think this is their, this might be their only chance or best chance to win a game this season. They said it week after week, and they didn't win. So in 13, when you do get that win, at least you got that win and got to enjoy that, so to speak. And right. for this team, again, I, I, again, I don't. I'm not going to predict a bowl game, of course not. But I, I think there's some games on the schedule based on what some of these Mountain West schools have done, where if you get a little confidence, start imp- continue the improvement, that they can get a few wins and maybe turn this thing around. Okay, well, I mean, you got to be able to. Let's, you know what? Put a pin in that. We'll be right back. We want to invite you to call the coach, support the program. It's Call the Coach with Timmy Chang tomorrow at 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday in the Wanalua Shopping Center. You guys did a great job a couple of weeks ago by showing up. Now you can call or text in your questions and comments to John Veneri and Coach Timmy. It's brought to you by HGEA, PAXA, Hawaii Pacific Health, 
Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, IBEW, Local 1186, Rube Tuesday, Hawaii, and ESPN Honolulu. Last night I dreamt I was returning And my heart called out to you Now I can't remember what we were talking about. I said put a pin in it. We're talking the homecoming for Rainbow Warrior football coming up this weekend here on ESPN Honolulu. Well, one of the things I was mentioning a few minutes ago, again, I'm not going to go too far down the line with this team, but I do think with the way the schedule plays out and some of the Mountain West teams really struggling, that if Hawaii can get a little momentum, a little confidence, and they should get both, I'm I'm hoping, after Saturday's game. New Mexico State, I know you've said it a few times, Chris, it's a road game. We probably, well, right now I don't know if we'll be favored. But if you can get those two wins, you're two and three going into conference, I think the season can be salvaged. I think you can really turn this thing I, around, so to speak. How can you say that? We haven't even passed for a touchdown yet. I know, I'm not but, being negative. I'm just saying, yeah. you know what? This is the kind of thing where I don't think we have the luxury this year of looking ahead, and, and that's okay. Now, you might say, oh, what's a, is Hawaii favored against uh, Duquesne? Usually, I guess, when you have an FBS and an FCS team, they don't have a line. You can't Somewhere, I that, can't right? find one yet. Yeah, that's some place. Right, so they're, they're tough to find. They might yeah. find one in, in Chinatown or something like that, but, you know, nothing you can find on the uh, interweb. Not yet. But uh, at New Mexico State, who knows? But let's see how we do against Duquesne. Now, obviously, Vanderbilt is a different team than we thought they were. I think we, even though they lost last week, they lost to a really good Wake Forest program. Who's, who's up and coming in the yeah, SEC. Right. So we know that Vanderbilt, we, Vanderbilt is um, a better football team. Western Kentucky is a good football program. I believe uh, their quarterback from last year is in the NFL somewhere. I think New he England. zaps on a, on a practice squad, is he? But um, he's a guy. Uh, and then Michigan is Michigan, right? I mean, you travel a gazillion miles on the road. And um, so really now, now that you got those out of the way, is you got uh, Duquesne, New Mexico State, San Diego State has not looked good, but I can't. We can't even talk about San Diego State yet, can we? Well, they we, they, we need to focus. We need to. Say, yeah. You know what? Let's throw for a touchdown. Let's improve in our tackling, and let's improve in special teams. Let's get more than 30% pass completion rate from whoever the starting quarterback is and let's not throw five interceptions. So let's 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 focus on that against Duquesne, then we'll talk about New Mexico State. That's kind of where I'm thinking. I, I agree. I don't think the team's going to – team will definitely take that approach. But I think as fans, you can maybe look a little bit ahead. I just – I told somebody on Saturday, it's almost like the season starts over now because of the schedule. Mm-hmm. I know this team can't afford to look, and the fans really shouldn't look too far ahead either. But if I'm going to look just a little bit ahead, besides San Diego <laughs> State, the next two games look winnable. I, I think Why? you can at least – Why? Because Duquesne, Duquesne only right wins now, an NAIA is, is school. Is Duquesne winnable? Yeah. They, I mean, they're, they're coming. They're coming longer. They're taking a longer flight than Hawaii going to Michigan. I know they're getting here early. They're, they beat an NAIA school last week. But what we've seen, and it's gotten better. But what we've seen is a team that can't tackle, a team that can't complete a pass, and uh, has uh, uh, penalties at absolute wrong times. You got leadership like Il Manning 
getting personal fouls because you're taking swings at people. Okay, you keep playing like that, you're not going to beat Duquesne. You're not going to beat New Mexico. So when you say, look at these teams coming up, we could win those. Again, let's see the improvement continue. Defense, I'm not worried about so much. Those poor guys are out on the field so long, it seems. I'm worried. Not worried. I'd like to see better quarterback play. I mean, if we have to just run the ball, let's play smash mouth then. If we're bigger and if we're bigger and hopefully faster than Duquesne, we have a bigger roster of scholarship players. Let's lean on these guys and just play smash mouth football. Don't turn the ball over, and you're not going to worry about a, pa- a guy who can't pass. No, let's get through that first. I, I before agree. we go, before we go, well, Colorado State lost to Michigan too, or not on paper. Well, they we also lost to Incarnate Ward. No, they lost to um. Well, Nevada lost to. Um, Incarnate Ward, uh, Colorado State lost. I'm trying to remember who they got beat by. We- they didn't lose to Weaver State. That was Utah State. My point is, is the Mountain Incarnate West Ward the same as Incarnate Ward. Yes, but when you talk about Smash Mouth football, <laughs> I don't know if we have the running backs. I- Dietrich Parson against is Duquesne, not had a good you year. do against Duquesne. Mm. You do. You, you, you don't worry about the running backs. You know, Lily Bryant, Lily Lily Bryant, Bryant Lily. Bryant that Lille. guy. He's 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 not a small guy. Bryant Lily. Thank you, Tanner. Brian Lillet, that guy's a that guy's a between the tackles runner. Hopefully he'll play. And it's more. not necessarily the runner. You want you want your six five six six linemen leaning on their linemen all game long, and Tanner Hayworth can run the ball up the middle. That's what you're looking for against Duquesne. Thank you very much. My contribution to UH football. We have a guest coming up because oh, is somebody on the phone? John, thank you for holding on. Sorry about that. Hey, good morning. Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. I think this week is a must-win game. Um, coming into the season, I, I thought Hawaii would be as low as two wins to four wins, and I got this is one of the games that they should win, Nevada possibly, and even New Mexico, and I thought they might steal one of the others, but I, I think this gotta, it's a must-win or they could go – Really south, I think. Anyway, you have a good day. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, coming up here, I mean, things could be worse. We could be the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> R.J. Ochoa, he's the manager and editor-in-chief of the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Uh, he's going to join us on some Dallas Cowboys football. That is coming up next. want to remind you, tomorrow it's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show presented by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. Our uh, fantasy experts will be here for advice on your team. Who's joining us tomorrow? Tomorrow it'll be Casey Mallon from the Football Dudes L.A. All right, good dude. And uh, you can win some NFL memorabilia like? An Adam Thielen autograph photo, authentic. And this is a great photo of one of the better receivers in the NFL. All right, it's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. on ESPN Honolulu.
Sports Animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. We're going to talk some NFL right now, specifically the Dallas Cowboys. A tough game on Sunday night, even tougher that they lose their quarterback, which we'll get the latest on now as we are joined with the manager and editor-in-chief of the Blogging the Boys podcast, R.J. Ochoa, back with us. R.J., thanks for coming on. And we heard on Sunday night that Prescott could be out six to eight weeks, but I understand following you on Twitter especially that uh, Jerry Jones is indicating he's not going to go on IR and could be back a little sooner. What's the latest? Hey, guys. Great to be with you. Um, Yeah, so up until today, um, every major national report had had been, you know, centered around that six to eight week timeline for Dak and and his his road to recovery. And and Jerry took to the radio airwaves at 105 through the fan, the home of the Cowboys today. And, and said that they don't want to place him on injured reserve. They feel like he can come back sooner rather than later. Um, now, look, I would love to, you know, eat a bacon cheeseburger and, and not gain any weight or have to run, you know, miles on the treadmill. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, that that's a reality either. And I think that that's the, the general consensus. Um, we'll see. Obviously, you know, the, the Cowboys are privy to some medical information that nobody else is. Um, but it, it really does feel like this is just, you know, trying to, to will this into existence when it really just doesn't seem like it's going to be the case. I want to go to one of your tweets also today where you tweeted, if you think the Cowboys are thinking about rushing Dak back just so people don't check out on them, you're mistaken. And you also ended it with rushing Dak back gives them their most obvious out. Can you expand on that? You know, I don't think it's a secret that the Cowboys have had a really tumultuous offseason as far as inactivity and, and decisions that they've, they've made or, or not made. Um, you know, the, the Cowboys, th- this was predictable. You know, obviously the Dak injury is its own thing, uh, but, but their, their inability to succeed offensively was really predictable. I mean, Chris Collinsworth talked about it on the broadcast. Like, I mean, I don't know of a person uh, in the media, any kind of fan or anything like that, that didn't see this coming to some degree. Um, and, you know, but, but thankfully, you know, the Cowboys are thinking they're lucky stars that Sunday night was the highest rated season opener on NBC since 2015, a game that also featured the Dallas Cowboys, mind you, at AT&T Stadium. And so, I mean, the, the, the Cowboys front office, their, their brass, their brain trust are so unwilling to, to take any kind of accountability for the construction of this roster. Instead, it's Dak has to play better. Steven Jones, when I want to fight through the fan yesterday, said CD has to step up. CD has to find a way to be a number one receiver. All those things are true. Uh, Dak Prescott played poorly. C.D. Lamb played poorly. But, I mean, aside from that, because multiple things are true, the Cowboys built a roster that, that can't even tread water. And so, you know, they expected Dak and C.D. to be these Hall of Fame-type players who overcame all these obstacles and all this forward thinking that's happening with other NFL teams. So my own personal perspective on this is, is the Cowboys don't want any of the blame, but they want all the credit when it all works out. And um, they've made this bet, and now they're, they're forcing everybody else to lie in it. When you talk about the fact that, you know, it's not a really good roster, is it more than just the offensive line that they're struggling with? I, I wouldn't say it's, it's, you know, more than the offensive line. That's, that's a big problem, obviously. But if you think about it, I mean, in, just looking at the line, look, I love Tyron Smith, but it was so predictable. We, we've talked about that. I know I've been on the show and talked about the fact that he was going to miss time. Again, nobody really forecasted that he would miss probably the entire season. That, that was a little bit more aggressive, but – they did nothing to hedge that bet. In fact, they only weakened their tackle depth in an overall sense by cutting Lyle Collins in the offseason. Fine, you want to move on? Okay, but you have to replenish. You have to restock the shelves. Okay, the Cowboys drafted Tyler Smith. And if we just look at that sequence of events, the Cowboys planned on Tyler Smith being their starting left guard 
week one and all throughout the regular season. Tyron Smith gets hurt. Okay, now we got to kick Tyler Smith out. So Connor McGovern is our new starting left guard. This was this is all good. Connor McGovern's fine. They waited two weeks to sign Jason Peters to be their starting left tackle. So Jason Peters is not ready to be there in week one. Tyler Smith has to start a left tackle. Connor McGovern has to start a left guard. Connor McGovern gets hurt, has a high ankle sprain. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Like, now we're going to depend on Matt Farniak, a second-year, seventh-round player who they actually wanted to play center this year. I mean, there's just it's, – it's nothing but reactionary moves. There's no proactiveness. There's no looking ahead. You, I, my own belief is when you build an NFL roster, if that's your job and your profession – you have to have a plan for your worst-case scenario. The Cowboys haven't had a plan for their worst-case scenario. And, you know, an unfortunate bit of luck is that their worst-case scenario has landed this quickly in the season. But not being prepared for it doesn't give them some sort of excuse. You, you can't find these pieces in late August and September. This work had to be done in March and April, and it wasn't. I wish I would have known all this before I took Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb on my fantasy football team. We're talking with R.J. Ochoa from a Blogging the Boys podcast, a part of SB Nation. And when you mentioned C.D. Lamb struggling, he had only those two catches on Sunday. He was targeted 11 times. C.D. Lamb is at fault for not catching more. Is it on Dak Prescott, or you give Tampa's defense some credit as well? I mean, I give credit to the fact that, you know, dudes running routes outside of C.D. Lamb are Noah Brown and Simi Fajoko. And, you know, that's, that's just, you know, some of the targets of C.D., um, our, our CD in, in triple coverage, double coverage. I mean, so it's difficult. And, and yes, to a certain degree, and I, I fully think that CD would, would himself acknowledge that he has to play better. But, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, I mean, CD is, you know, I don't know if you've seen that episode of Friends when they're playing football and, you know, the guys <laughs> are content to let, to let Rachel Green run off by herself. CD is Phoebe. Phoebe, you know, draped by Joey and Chandler, unable to kind of do anything. And so, it, it's it's an impossible storm to overcome for, for CD, for Dak. And, again, I, I don't know that they met the bare minimum even outside of those extenuating circumstances. But, I mean, it, I wouldn't place it all at the feet of CD. It, I think a big reason that Justin Jefferson, who also had 11 targets, but had like 184 yards, and not that he isn't extremely talented in his own right, but he's got Adam Thielen working in the same offense. He's got KJ Osborne. He's got Irv Smith Jr. He's got Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. He is a part of a dynamic offense, which is why he's able to thrive to an even larger degree. C.D. Lamb is the one thing on the menu, and you've got to line out the door people who are trying to get a piece of it. You know, I was talking yesterday, having a little debate, and I think that, you know, when we saw it in this game, if you're looking at one of the positives of the Dallas Cowboys, it's got to be Dalton Schultz. I mean, that, I think you know, that's a fantasy option to have. Uh, There's a difference, obviously, between fantasy and real life, and, and the volume is going to be there for Dalton Schultz, especially now that you're dealing with a backup quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of checkdowns that happen to tight ends. I mean, but, but again, he's one, of the more, he's one of the more proven players in this offense, and with no slight intended towards Dalton Schultz, that's a problem. I mean, he's one of the more proven players, and he's somebody who the team themselves – were so unwilling to believe in that they didn't give him a long-term contract. And they played that right, to be very clear, the way they handled him on the franchise tag. But, I mean, you know, Dalton is fine and, and a great option. But, I mean, how many teams in the NFL are, are building and funneling their offense through the tight end? You just can't do that in today's game. The Dallas Cowboys were the only NFL team to not score a touchdown this past week. And I know you tweeted that out as well. I, I, even when Prescott was playing, they were struggling offensively. Are there any yeah. is there any truth to the rumors about Mason Rudolph maybe joining the team? 
<laughs> Not that I'm aware of, um, but but you know, honestly, I I have, and, and for what it's worth, the Cowboys do have his his old college receiver in James Washington who they signed in the offseason. But um, I, I don't think again that kind of goes to the way you build your team. I, I'm not denying that Mason Rudolph is a superior quarterback to Cooper Rush, but at this point, I mean, you're going to have to pay something, you know, by way of some sort of resource to acquire Mason Rudolph. You're going to have to drag through the time of getting him caught up to speed on your offense. He won't start for a couple of weeks. You're then going to have to hope that he's able to help you just kind of tread water. Also, you can get back to a place where you were already an inefficient offense, to your point. It was one game, whatever the case may be. But, you know, people throw out a lot of different names. People throw out Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever. I mean, I, I still obviously highly believe in Dak Prescott, but the last thing I want is all the hooligans in the world. If Jimmy Garoppolo is on this team and picks up a couple of wins, when Dak Prescott throws an interception to say, bench Dak, play Jimmy, it, it's just it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy, and it sounds dramatic and hyperbolic, but the situation is too toxic, and, and we haven't even reached Thursday Night Football of week two. R.J. Ochoa, great follow on Twitter, at R.J. Ochoa. Check out the podcast, Blogging the Boys. On your Twitter page, you mentioned how a couple of uh, radio personalities in Dallas were suggesting or mentioning that this could have been the last time Mike McCarthy coaches Dak Prescott. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, that was two of our podcasters on our network. Um, Their episode uh, dropped yesterday. Their show is called First and Ten. And at the end of the show, they were just kind of talking to Aiden Davis and Dave Sturgeo. And, and one of them just threw out, like, you know, and, and again, if, if Dak returns in four weeks the way Dr. Jones believes you can, that maybe changes the math here. Um, but if Dak Prescott is out through the bye week, which is kind of what a lot of people originally believe, I mean, I, it, it's not hard, I think, to see a world where the Cowboys are, are maybe even winless, maybe have one game as we kind of roll through Halloween. And, and you know, generally speaking, NFL teams, if they do fire coaches midseason, things like that, those tend to happen over the bye week when you have time to kind of let the dust settle, pick yourself up, and, and finish out the season with, with an interim. I mean, I, I, you know, they've done it before. The, you know, the Cowboys 12 years ago fired Wade Phillips, incidentally, after a Sunday night football loss to Mike McCarthy and his Green Bay Packers. <laughs> and that was a season where, where Tony Romo had been lost for the year and had a big-time injury. And it was just – a swirling storm that they couldn't get, you know, out from. And, and so what do you do when, when you don't have an answer? You point fingers. You blame. C.D. Lamb's got to step up to be the number one wide receiver. Dak Prescott's got to come back in four weeks. And so at a certain point, heads have to roll. And when you're out of them all, they all obviously land with the head coach. Never a dull moment in Dallas, that's for sure. Hopefully things will get better for the Cowboys. R.J., always enjoy having you on the show. Thanks again. Thanks, R.J. Thanks a lot, guys. Y'all have a great week. All right, there he is, R.J. Ochoa. Check it out. If you're a Cowboys fan, you probably know about it already. The Blog and the Boys podcast, it's part of, uh, you can get it at Apple and Spotify. It's part of the uh, SB Nation community of sports fans here on ESPN Honolulu. It was, uh, yeah, there was, he was, I believe he was, was he talking about when Tony Romo was hurt? Yeah. That year you had Matt Castle, Tony Romo, Brandon Whedon, and Kellen Moore. All started at least two games wow. for the Cowboys, and uh, you know, I you know, right now they're, they're you know what the cow they're saying in the locker room. Chad Hutchinson is not walking through that door. <laughs> Quincy Carter is not walking through that door. Come on, Drew Bledsoe right. isn't either. <laughs> yeah, that's or Vinny Testaverde, John Kitna. The list goes on and on. <laughs> but uh, it's a uh, oh, it's almost uh, it's time for a traffic update here. Seven forty nine. In the morning with uh, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman here on the Bobby Curran Show. Keep listening. We're going to give away a gift certificate for Dixie Grill and IAEA, a great place to check out Monday Night Football. That's coming up in a bit on ESPN Honolulu.
You know, now that we're done with week one of the NFL, I mean, what an exciting week it was. I mean, last night we've talked about the game and how dramatic it was and great for one team, really upsetting for the Denver fans and team, of course. But just look at this weekend with the overtime games. We had a tie, a few upsets, some great performances. Uh, It's great having football back. We had the college weekend with all those upsets. And I, I know football just gets better and better. I don't remember a season starting off necessarily with this much drama. Uh, again, when we talk about the uh, Sunbelt schools winning in college on Saturday, the number of them already having a coach fired with Scott Frost, and then the NFL not letting us down with all these great games over the weekend. It wasn't great football necessarily because Cincinnati laid an egg, of course. The quarterbacks that didn't play in the preseason did not perform well. But look at all of these interesting games. It just shows what we're in store for the next 16 weeks. I, I haven't changed my opinion who, on who I think will make the playoffs and maybe succeed, but it sure was fun to see some of these dramatic games and i one thing i do wonder about though after we talked about you said cincinnati laid an egg yeah they they screwed up that game i mean joe burrow four interceptions yeah i guess gosh besides that though everything else was really on point for them you know when you mess with the bull you get the horns right (laughs) when you're gonna play the pittsburgh steelers that's that's how they do Jets and Steelers do play again this year, and for some reason the Jets, who always are bad, usually beat the, the Steelers. Jets, yeah. <laughs> and you always set yourself up for that so you can't take a get a little letdown because you're, you're predicting it in advance just in case. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm curious about, we had the Monday night game last night, of course. Next week we have two Monday night games, and they conflict with each other. Minnesota and Philly should be a really good game, but why are they doing that in week two? I don't understand that. Wait, it's on at the same time? Seven, well, one fifteen and 2.30 they start. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I mean, they've done it in week one for the last, what, 10 years or so. But they've I had... thought they, it was one after another. No, it was hard to do that. They've done that in the past. You're right. They've done that right. in the past. Why would you Why would you split your audience? I don't get that. that I don't get that at all. The other game is Buffalo and Tennessee and then Minnesota and Philadelphia. One fifteen hour time and 2.30 for the second game. That, that, Buffalo and Tennessee. Yeah. And then Philadelphia really, and Minnesota, which should be a Nash, pretty good game. Nashville and Buffalo, two small markets. Mm. I mean, and national audience maybe for Buffalo because they want to see they want to see uh Josh Allen. They want to see this great team. What was the other game? Minnesota at Philadelphia. So both yeah, East Coast I'd, I'd probably games. Be more interest, I'd probably be more interested in that game than yeah. the other one. But, and that's you a know, Min- Minneapolis is a is a big town, but not a top ten market. Philadelphia is your biggest city there. I don't get it. I don't get why they would do that. Yeah, if you're going to have them like at one o'clock and four thirty, like we've had an East Coast and a West Coast game in years past, that would make it better. But also, again, why week two? Yeah, I don't know. You know at least we've got two radio stations, so you'll hear one on ESPN Honolulu and the other on CBS fifteen hundred. That being said. We've got top stories and a giveaway coming up on ESPN Honolulu.
And apparently it's just after eight o'clock and uh, traffic is going to traffic's going to pot. <laughs> Accidents in town. Got a water main break in Enchanted Lakes. Maybe because there's no lake where the Enchant Well actually there is water out there at Enchanted Lakes, isn't there? No, yeah. there seems to be a little bit more. <laughs> anyway, we'll get you through it here on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman on the Bobby Curran Show. It's going to be mostly sunny and hot today again. Trades are 10 to 15. It's going to be humid and be even more humid, up to about 71% tonight. So it is going to be sticky. Woo! Today is National Bald is Beautiful Day. It's a day I like to celebrate every year. <laughs> We celebrate you cue balls, you chrome domes. You know, more than half of all men between 40 and 50 are considered bald. Really? So I think it's the guys who have hair that should feel self-conscious. You're not like the rest of us. But you're not bald. You're balding. Oh, oh no. Look at that. Look at that. Oh. It's gone. It's going away. Well, by that view you just gave me, I would get rid of the beautiful part at least. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have beautiful hair. Oh, it was flowing. It was beautiful. Anyway, happy National Bald is Beautiful Day. Our top stories today, uh, and one of them comes from the uh, from the NBA. Yet a Phoenix Suns owner, Robert Sarver, well, he's going to be on a long vacation getting one-year suspension, a $10 million fine, and this is an, as a result of the investigation that's been going on for a while, basically a toxic work environment. Some of the details, I don't even want to mention, you can look them up, but some of them are leaking out on Twitter from NBA media people or even people in the Phoenix area about what he did, allegedly, I guess, still, uh, but the NBA found that he is guilty of some of these acts, acts and actions that he's done and pretty right. vulgar so what he has done with employees well, it's not allegedly they investigated and they found out to be true a lot of sexual things going on and yeah pornography and and these kinds of things using the word the n-word uh, pretty regularly it's anyway one year suspension 10 million dollar fine in other headlines today it's homecoming for rainbow warrior football Duquesne will be our first victim this year and, at uh, T.C. Ching Athletic Complex. Somebody had texted us. We were wondering about the line because it's an FCS school. Somebody said that it's, Hawaii is favored by seven in this game. Gee. If that means anything to some of you, there you go. All right. And uh, really, the from Monday Night Football, to kick or not to kick, that was the question. Denver, uh, I know Russell Wilson took the right approach after the game, not throwing his coach under the bus, which was the right thing to do. People were astounded by what Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett didn't do, going for the fourth and five and letting the clock run down and going for a 64-yard field goal by Brandon McManus, who uh, has great success in Denver, really good success on the road. That would have tied for the second longest field goal in NFL history. Clock management and the decision – basically uh, was criticized heavily around the country yesterday. And Seattle's enjoying it. Denver, not so much. All right. In uh, uh, T Tanner on Buy or Sell earlier this morning was talking about power rankings and things like that. Coming up, Alan Pupar is the publisher of All Dolphins for Sports Illustrated. Uh, he's going to join us. And I guess after this week, you, would, you could make a um, – make a power ranking it's just for fun for nfl quarterbacks i think that patrick mahomes would have to be number one what do you say 
I would say Mahomes up there. He would be number one. Yes, I would agree that. I think Josh Allen wasn't too far behind him. Uh, I think Tua should be in that top five, six, or seven list if you're going by week one. One of your guys, Kirk Cousins, had a very good game. Even Russell Wilson in defeat. You know, he threw for 340 yards. He had a really good game. Geno Smith had a great percentage. He only threw for 195, but I think he did a really good job overall. I don't think he would be in the top five or ten maybe necessarily. But there were some really good performances over the, over the league, around the league, and I think Tua definitely stands out, though. I'm just looking at stats, and uh, this is from ESPN.com. And when you look at passing leaders, and you can sort these by different, by, you know, ratings, touchdowns, whatever you want. Joe Burrow, we know, is a good quarterback. And the Cincinnati Bengals in the offseason went to shore up a lot of uh, weaknesses they had after winning that Super Bowl. One of them was supposedly the offensive line. Well, Joe Burrow was sacked seven times and threw four interceptions. Doesn't seem like he had much protection in that game against the mighty, mighty Steelers. He didn't have protection, you're right, and remember, he is one of those guys. Now, he had the appendix deal, the deal, deal, but he didn't play in the preseason. We talked about that earlier. The quarterbacks that didn't play in the preseason were 3-8 and eight over week one. I, I think there's a little something to that. Maybe that's not the only reason they were 3-8, and eight, of course, but I think that's a contributing factor. What, a couple of names you wouldn't see normally in the top ten of quarterback performances this past weekend is – Carson Wentz at number five and Joe Flacco at number six. Wow. I don't know how Flacco – I know Flacco had a lot of yards, but, again, he threw 59 passes, and the fans were booing him, looking for Mike White to come in. Uh, mm-hmm. So Carson Wentz, I think, really deserved it. He had a really good game for them. Matt Ryan had a good half, at least. Uh-huh. But uh, for Matt, Joe Flacco, I mean, it's, you know, he's old. They don't have a good offensive line with their injuries, but I, I don't know how he's up there, except the yards were compiled by the amount of passes. Okay, let's go by rating. Let's go okay. by quarterback rating, okay. right? So you got Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, you know – we haven't talked at all about Justin Herbert and his performance against the Raiders. <laughs> Geno Smith, though, I'm, if I'm having a power ranking, I'm putting Geno Smith in my top five right now. Top five, again, 195 yards you're putting in the top five. I know he's 23 of 28. That's great. But 195 yards, I'd have a hard time with that top five. I'm going off of overall how effective he was. Okay. Because you had to watch. you had to watch the run. You had to watch the pass. I mean, he played with confidence like mm. like he was an all-pro. Like he was at West like Virginia. Like he was a grizzled vet. Now, part of that is he's been in Seattle for four years, and he knows the system so well he's been waiting for his chance. Plus, he had the 12s behind him, that huge crowd sounding like a 747 engine. But it's just it was what an atmosphere. All the chants of Gino, Love. Gino. Jordan Love, I didn't realize actually got in the game against Minnesota. He was 4 of 5 for 65 yards. He's not in your top 5, I hope, or top 20. Well, he's if you go by quarterback rating, he's like number 5 on the on the day, but I didn't realize that Jordan Love came in. Is that because they were getting blown away? Or yeah. Something happened to uh, um, he got hit a few times, and I guess the game was out of reach, so they just replaced him. It was what twenty three seven or whatever. But he, Aaron Rodgers yeah. didn't look good, and he got hit a couple of times where he looked a little little woozy at least. Okay, no here's a couple though. of here's a couple of quarterbacks who aren't in my in my uh, in my power five, but I want to keep an eye on them. Number one, I want to keep an eye on Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. 
Um, I guess he didn't have any touchdowns or interceptions, right? He didn't have any interceptions. But, I thought he had a. I, I, he had 38 points. It was no touchdown passes. I don't remember. Yeah, no touchdown passes this past weekend from Jalen Hurts. But here's a guy that um, here's a guy you want to keep in, because you're looking for constant improvement. He's an A1 number one human being. So I root for guys like Jalen Hurts. I want to keep an eye on the prog- uh, the progress of Jalen Hurts. Of course, Marcus Mariota and Tua Tonga-Vailoa, right? Yeah. But how about Davis Mills? This is what many would consider the worst team in the NFL. It's a horrible organization, and uh, they, you know, they they've lost a lot of their good or traded away a lot of their really good players. So Davis Mills is a quarterback, and they, you know, Indianapolis. People are talking about Indianapolis is one of the power teams based on their defense, based on their offensive line, based on their running game. They have an okay receiver, uh, you know, not famous names as far as receivers, but very good receivers. And then you have Matty Ice, right? So they tie. They tie against Houston and Davis Mills. Against Indy. Who, uh, yeah, Indy. Sorry. But Davis Mills is a guy we've always heard. We don't know much about him, but that they really like him. They really like him there. That's a guy we kind of keep an eye on. He finished last season pretty strong, even though the team was pretty bad. He actually had a good end to the season. That's one of the reasons they didn't go out and get somebody else this year. They have faith in him. And, yeah, I was glad for him. Uh, young quarterback. That You're right. Nobody really thought much of him with the quarterback class a couple years ago, but he's actually starting to prove himself. That's kind of cool to see. Kyler Murray. Crybaby Murray. There's a guy that, uh, you know, if he's, you know, they lose. They get smashed. I don't know how they even scored 21 points. I was watching a lot of that game. They lose to um, Kyler Murray. They lost to Kansas City 44-21, to but it wasn't even that close. Right. And Kyler Murray threw for a couple of touchdowns. But I wonder, if they lose a couple of more games, is he going to scrub uh, the Cardinals again from his social media? <laughs> because, okay, because the reason I say that is because you're the quarterback. You get more credit than you deserve when you win you get more blame than you deserve when you lose but they're going to blame you kyler murray and especially since all of the stuff in the offseason and uh they're going to they're going to blame you for it and the new contract and everything if you start out zero and two zero and three or you have some pretty bad performances he's this guy's personality wise I don't think he's mature enough to handle it. That that part could be true, but I think he gets a little bit of a pass because DeAndre Hopkins will be out for what, another five games. And if you lose a guy like that, he's a top five receiver easily in the league. When you lose a guy like that. I don't like know that, that they give him a pass. I don't know that they give him a pass. But you, you lose you Christian Kirk in the offseason. No, I don't think I don't think they lose. I don't think they look at it that way. They say, what, we're giving you all this money? You're complaining all the time? Well, maybe the problem is you. You probably get some of that at least. These are, I mean, you got to remember, we're talking about fans. These are the fans. I mean, Russell Wilson, they're booing. It's like all that he's Mm. done for that community. Yeah, bringing bringing you a couple of Super Bowls, one Super Bowl win, and you're booing the the guy. The guy gave you a school. He he built a school for the city, and you're booing the guy when he comes back because he plays for another football team. Fans are crazy. Well, what you heard about Wilson again is that maybe he was real selfish. And, you know, Pete Carroll was asked after the game about why did this – actually, it was today, actually. Why were some of the ex-teammates so happy with the win yesterday, The ex, ex Russell Wilson's ex-teammates? And he goes, uh, you guys figure that out. 
I mean, he was kind of throwing Russell Wilson under the bus indirectly with that comment that he was not liked. And as you mentioned yesterday, we keep hearing that he might have been on the selfish side. Still, what he did for that team, I mean, I, I can't believe they would boo him. How many Super Bowls Russell have they Wilson... won in their history? One. Who is their right. quarterback? I mean, he, and he on his way to a Hall of Fame career. So, I mean, I can understand not everybody on board with him leaving the way he did, forcing his way out allegedly. But if you hear that they're trying to trade you in 2018 and maybe a couple of years after that, I can understand him not being happy. I, maybe he wasn't a great well, way to handle it, but still to boo him like that, that was really wrong, you, I thought, and surprising. You have a super, you have a super, super – and Pete Carroll, from you know what other players say, always tried to take care of him and make sure that he was happy. But, I mean, here's a guy that, okay, he's never had a great offensive line. I mean, imagine that. How many times he's been sacked? Hasn't he been sacked more than anybody else in a 10-year span or something like that? something crazy, got, yeah. He hasn't really had a running game. I mean, you had, oh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Well, Chris like Carson, an they didn't have Marshawn Lynch with him, I don't think, did they? With he might have Marshawn had him for a little Lynch? bit. Yeah, he, was, he played for Seattle. But, I mean, was but Russell had, Wilson with him, I'm yeah. sure, for a couple of years? Yeah, of course. Marshawn Lynch isn't that old. He but he played for the Raiders like at the end ago. of his career, remember? Right. He retired from the Seahawks and then came back and played for the Raiders. But anyway, uh, yeah, Marshawn Lynch was there during uh, his tenure. So I guess he did have uh, some pretty good running games. I was thinking of Sean Alexander. That was that's way back, was the other Super Bowl, yeah. The, oh, that, okay, so that's not Russell Wilson either? No, no. Okay, anyway. Uh, the point is, I mean, if the guy is – there's a lot of star quarterbacks – who want to say and things that go on. So when it comes out in the public, it doesn't look very well. It looks like you're selfish. Aaron Rodgers, we're talking about. Russell Wilson. But aren't you entitled? Aren't you entitled for Patrick Mahomes to have some say or at least bounce something off of him if you're trying to do something? What great receivers? I'm talking about great. What great? And all that time that Russell Wilson's been there, what great receivers have they had? I mean, D.K. Metcalf might be, but they had curse during the he's Super Bowl great. run. Yeah, D.K. Metcalf is good, great. He's he's on his way. Maybe not. Maybe it's Javon too early. Javon Curse is a journeyman. You take Javon Curse and put him on a another he's team on the Jets, and he didn't do much. Yeah, right. Exactly. He he's might have been one know, of their better ones. He been Lockett for a while. Tyler Lockett's okay, sure. Yeah, but not great. Star You're right. Receivers. You're right. Are these guys going to Pro Bowls? DK Metcalf probably maybe, yeah. But that's just the last couple of years. Right, Again, the other guys now. I don't know, and you know the the whole term of let Russ cook. Where does that come from? It comes from conservative style of play, and he complained about that. It came out, and these are all these things are coming out now. So I think that's why the Seattle fans are are booing him. But come on, you guys, come on. There was a fan. They showed his shirt last night. It was a Denver Broncos shirt. And number three for Russell Wilson, instead of the name Wilson, it just said Boo. <laughs> I mean, they just let him have it. I was there really surprised. There must be stuff they know in the market that we don't. There's got to be stuff that they're talking about that we don't know. Got to be a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Still, you win a Super Bowl, you get, you get. I mean, look at Eli Manning. You bring him up fairly often as far as not a great career. But when you win two Super Bowls, enough said. When you win one Super Bowl, that's still a lot because not a lot of teams win a Super Bowl. Right, but Eli Manning had ups and downs. Russell right, Wilson was consistently a good quarterback. Right, right? Even, so even more so, he should have been more appreciated. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know what? From what I read or what I can see, him and his wife, Ciara, they're such positive, positive people. They're, they're nothing but givers. 
They're they're community minded. They're just great. Again, I'll say it again. They're great human beings. And you know, people are upset because he wanted some say in what goes on. He wanted to open up the offense. So you're gonna you're gonna boo the guy? Eh, I don't get it. And then he throw his O line under the bus after they lost in the playoffs. Was it to the yeah, Rams? Yeah, because he said he was sick of getting yeah. sacked. And I don't it's blame like, him. Somebody help me! I keep getting knocked down. Well, I maybe can't you don't do, my do that job. publicly. If you don't do your job, yeah, I guess you don't do that publicly. But, but I that's think the worst thing he did. Wow. But out of frustration, it's like he got. You know, why did you lose the game? Because I can't stand up straight. I can't stand upright. Because we haven't made the investment in an offensive line. And they rarely have. Max Unger is not walking through that door. And think of this. Aaron Rodgers has been a two-time MVP. He's only won one Super Bowl in his 15-year or so career. I mean, why is he perceived to be that much better than Russell Wilson? Mm. MVP is is a big reason, I know. But Super Bowl is what counts. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk Tua Tonga-Vailoa and the Miami Dolphins with Alan Pupar from uh, All Dolphins with Sports Illustrated. That's coming up on ESPN Honolulu. More NFL talk with the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show, Gary Dickman and Chris Hart. And we're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins and their quarterback, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, as we are joined with the publisher of All Dolphins at SportsIllustrated.com. Alan Pupar is back with us. Alan, thanks again for joining us. We'll start with the obvious Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Your assessment on how he looked on Sunday. Uh, I thought he looked fine. Uh, I don't know if I'd go crazy, uh, but he did a good job, mainly in not turning the ball over. Passed for 270 yards, had the big fourth down completion, which was his best throw of the game because it was in stride. It was quick. It allowed Jalen Waddell to complete the 42-yard touchdown. Having said that, there were a couple of throws that were that were off the mark. A couple of times, maybe on um, he was sacked three times, I believe it was, and maybe on one or two of those, um, there was some hesitation in the pocket. So, again, I and and I would also include that in this whole conversation of Tua being four and zero against Bill Belichick in New England, which is true, but he's four and zero as a starter on the team that's won because this game, for example, on Sunday was won because of the defense, not because of the offense. But for a first game. With the new offense, it was solid. Beside the obvious differences with, well, you had Waddle there last year, but Tyreek Hill, of course, and even Cedric Wilson, how else did they look different offensively? Well, having Tyreek Hill, it cannot be expressed just how huge that is in terms of everything he opens up because you see there are so, so many plays. There's such a fear and respect for his speed that he gets a lot of cushion and – I don't want to say that it's at will, but it's almost at will that you can get an easy four or five yard completion just throwing it short to him. So that makes things entirely different. There was supposed to be a whole new look running game with Mike McDaniel coming over as the head coach and the success that he helped generate with that running game in San Francisco. Didn't see that really on Sunday because the Dolphins didn't reach 70 yards rushing, which was perhaps the biggest disappointment of that game from a Dolphin standpoint. But the hope is that that'll come. That's going to be a work in progress. The passing game we saw is what we saw in training camp in the preseason. The big playability is just constantly there. It's because of the, the, the intense speed that both Hill and Jalen Wall possess. 
Uh, you know, when I see the numbers, well, excuse me, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that the potential is there for like a big play every time. When I see Tua's numbers, again, 270 yards, and, you know, he did get sacked, as you mentioned. But overall, when you look at the Miami Dolphins on Sunday, even though they won pretty impressively, only one touchdown offense. So they had Melvin Ingram with the touchdown on defense. Is that a concern at all moving ahead? I would say in the big picture, it wasn't totally ideal. I mean, obviously, you you take everything from the perspective of you beat a division opponent by 13 points, so... I mean, somebody could make the argument like, what the hell are you pitching about? Um, well, but if you're looking at what the goal is for this team, which is at the very least make the playoffs and win the playoff game, which they haven't done since 2000, the offense is going to have to get better. I think that's pretty clear. It wasn't, it was a little bit troubling that it didn't get uh, any points other than the field goal in the second half, which is kind of what the Dolphins looked like in years past and with the defense leading the way when they win. And that needs to be different this year if, if the end result's going to be different. Having said all that, it's only one game, so certainly wouldn't push the panic button, but there's still work to do. We're not there yet with the offense. How surprised were you, if at all, that Mike Kosicki only got one target and got that one pass for only one yard? I wasn't, I wasn't. And, again, it's going to be so hill-waddle-intensive that I think if I'm a, my receiver, a tight end on the Dolphins roster right now, I'm bracing myself for, you know what, if I get any ball thrown my way, it's a bonus. Because those two guys are going to be the focal point and may, pretty much for good reason. Having said that, if I'm Mike Gesicki, I may be more troubled by the fact that he played 25 snaps. And Durham Smythe, the supposed number two tight end, who really I think is the number one tight end, played 38 snaps. So... It was odd. Mike McDaniel was asked that very question as to the low usage of Mike Gesicki in week one and said it was matchup related and that it's not going to happen every week like that. Having said all that, it still brings up the question for the, for, for the 85th time from this end, why did the Dolphins bother franchising uh, Mike Gesicki when he was scheduled to become a free agent if they're not going to use him? You can check out Alan Pupar on Twitter, at Pupar NFL. I'll spell it P-O-U-P-A-R-T NFL. He writes and is a publisher for the All Dolphins site at SportsIllustrated.com. He joins us here on ESPN Honolulu. As far as Mike McDaniel, the head coach, how do you assess him? I mean, he's a coach who did really wonders uh, with San Francisco. How do you think he did overall in his first uh, head coaching experience? No, I, I mean, he did very well. And, the, and beyond the bottom line, the, the, where he won his players over, if it, if it needed to be done, I don't think it did because I think he won them over from the offseason with just the way he, relate, he has related to them, which I don't need to tell anybody is a, quite the contrast from the previous three years. But even more so, the fact that he went for it on fourth and seven, beyond the fact that logistically it made all the sense in the world because New England didn't have any timeouts left with, 24 seconds when the ball was snapped on that fourth and seven. But the fact that he showed that aggressiveness, and I can tell you there are previous Dolphin coaches who would have just looked at the worst-case worst, worst case scenario and, and decided, no, nah, no, let's just find it. Whereas McDaniel, McDaniel evaluated the risk-reward and, and saw clearly that the reward was potentially a lot higher and a lot more likely than the risk. So he went for it, and obviously it worked out beyond anybody's wildest expectations. 
So that was it's and players love that when you do that. And on top of that, earlier in the game, on the Dolphins' very first drive, they had a first and one from midfield. And again, a lot of coaches, including previous Dolphin coaches, would have punted. You know, let's play the old field position game. While McDaniel was like, "No, we're going to go for it." And as it turned out, they got a cheap first down when the, uh, the Patriots defensive lineman Carl Davis jumped offside. But again, it showed that he's going to put confidence in his players. I'm ex- not expecting him to be Brandon Staley and go for it on fourth and one from his 20. But it, the, the aggressiveness was nice to go along with everything that he has shown to this point. One of the concerns I know in the years past years past was the offensive line not being very effective. They made switches changes in the offseason. They get Armstead there at the left tackle. Three sacks, though, sounds like kind of a lot, even though, as you said earlier, it's only one game. Yeah, if if you put it like that, yeah, three sacks is a lot. But then you look at the other pass plays where he wasn't sacked and, and the protection was really good for a lot of those. Now, there were some quick throws. There were also some slow-developing plays. There was one example – I think it was a 20, I want to say about 23, maybe 26-yard pass to Tyree Kill down the left side where, again, the DB completely respects and fears the speed, so he's backing off, backing off, and the Hills is just basically running down the field. And that play took a little while to develop, and the pass protection was perfect. I mean, he had all day to throw. So from a pass protection standpoint, three sacks doesn't look good on its own. I'm not sure I'd put all three of them on the offensive line, number one, and number two, as a whole, the pass protection was very good. Now, the run blocking, again, if you're looking at a and, – and the yards per carry average, if you take away a couple of end-arounds and a backward pass where the wide receivers were involved from the running backs only, it was really poor. It was under three yards. So that's got to get better. It seems in the offseason there was so much talk about Tua and make it or break it year and all of that. They get the one win over what used to be a really good team in New England, maybe not the same right now. The fans, though, seem to have a, a mixed response to Tua. Some fans really high on him, others saying this is a make it or break it year, as I said. How was the reaction after Sunday's win? As with everything else, I mean, everything as it concerns Tua is split. You will have some, some of those who will point out, 270 yards, no interceptions, beat Belichick again. What the hell more do you want? And then you'll have others who will be like, yeah, I mean, did he do really a whole lot? I mean, there was a lot of yak. If you look, even the 42-yard touchdown pass, it was caught at the 30. uh, And there's 30 yards of yak. And then the two supporters will tell you, well, yeah, but he hit him perfectly in stride, and he allowed him to split the defenders on his way to the touchdown. So there is, you cannot have a conversation about Tua Tango-Vailoa without it becoming totally polarizing with very strong opinions on one side, very strong opinions on the other side, where the reality usually lands somewhere in the middle. Well, winning will take care of a lot of that, and they do get the one win, hopefully two, after they play the Ravens this Sunday. Alan, thanks again for talking with us about the Miami Dolphins and Tua. I look forward to doing it again later on this season. And I'll be looking forward to it as well. Thank you. Cool. All right, thank you so much. Alan Pupar from SportsIllustrated.com, the all-Dolphin di- all site, joining us on ESPN Honolulu. And there were fans on Twitter who were pointing out the yak. I mean, do they do that when Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill hooked up over the last several years? It seems like or, some or fans jo- really Joe point Monta- out. Joe Montana in the right. West I mean, Coast offense? Come on. Yeah, under the microscope, you would say, with Tua, definitely. But yeah. he, he, did, he did good enough on Sunday, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, what do you want, David Woodley? Are you calling for Don Strock to come back on the team? Stop it already, Dolphin fans. You don't know what you got till it's gone, baby. 
Man, you know, it was interesting what he said about, is it Michael McDonald? No, that's the singer. Mike What's McDaniel. The coach? Mike McDaniel. <laughs> or Michael McDonald. <laughs> the Doobie Brothers. Yeah. Mike McDaniel, um, you saying how much the players love it and respect him and stuff like that, and it wasn't like that with the previous regime. It's interesting that coaches in Bill Belichick's tree seem to be jerks. Matt Patricia arrives at the Detroit Lions and tears that place apart, tears the culture apart, basically talking down to everybody like they're turds. And you hear the same thing about Brian Flores now. Yeah. What is yeah. it? You know, it's like maybe, well, I want to act like Bill Belichick. Well, you know what? You haven't won seven, six Super Bowls. When you win six Super Bowls, then you can act like Bill Belichick. In the meantime, and especially in today's NFL, in the meantime, try and get along. And who has worked out? Charlie Weiss, even though it was in college. Romeo Cremel was a head coach before. Uh, you look at Bill O'Brien. None of those guys have really worked out, even though they have a good pedigree, so to speak, being part of Belichick's yeah. tree. Well, I don't know. Bill O'Brien's doing pretty good for Alabama right now. But, uh, but he's not the head coach. But look at him in Houston right. in the NFL. Yeah. Well, he was he was a he was an okay coach. He was a horrible general manager. That, that's true. That's true. That's true. Hey, it's eight thirty four with the sports animals, and we told you about Monday night football at Dixie Grill in IAEA. Let's give away a twenty five dollar gift certificate at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. If you're caller number three, caller number three, you'll get the twenty five dollar gift certificate. You can use it for Monday night football on Monday nights. They got Monday night football at Dixie Grill in IAEA, and at seven o'clock after the game. They've got it's trivia night, and you can win prizes and stuff like that. Uh, the trivia is hosted by Geeks Who Drink. <laughs> it sounds funny, but this is like a well-known trivia team uh, providers from uh, the people talk about from all over the country. So it's a uh, football and trivia night Mondays at Dixie Grill and IA. If you want the gift certificate, third caller gets it from ESPN Honolulu. And we say congratulations to Charles Lee of Makiki. He got the $25 at Dixie Grill in IAEA. Use that for Monday Night Football and Trivia Night on Monday nights. We'll have uh, more to give away tomorrow here on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Can you remember that, Gary? Yes. About Dixie Grill? Okay. Of course. All right, let's go to the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. The uh, here's a text we we're talking about UH football because of course it's homecoming uh, coming up. Uh, texter writes in. I don't know how many games they will win. I believe the coaches are doing a great job. Good improvement. No interceptions. Less turnovers. Penalties. Good running back. I think the QB and the wide receiver have not fully learned the offense. They will get better. Defensive tackling has gotten better. Need to work on consistency. The late coaching change and player turnover is hurting us. The guys are not giving up. Neither should we. There's a lot of abbreviations in there, but I hope you got all that. I wonder which running back he's actually talking about, though. I think good running backs. I think both running backs are doing fine. Well, I I think we have three. I don't think, again, I love Diedrich Parson, but look at the last two games, 28 yards, 29 yards. I don't, and the the, the fumble against Western Kentucky, uh, Vanderbilt, scoop and scored. I don't think he's had a good year. That was three weeks ago. Give him a break on the fumble. But, again, okay, watch. Is he getting any holes to run through? 
Well, are the other guys getting any hold? They've run. I mean, Hines had that 54-yard touchdown run. I don't know. I'll check it out. We'll keep an eye on that. We'll yeah, watch that yeah. coming up. And I love parts. Uh, I just wish you would have done a little bit more. Eddie, you got to Eddie, you got to start calling yourself Mr. Positive. Eddie says we will be lucky to beat Duquesne. Lucky Eddie. to beat Duquesne. All right, Eddie, stick to baseball, Eddie. Yeah, Come on, Empire Eddie. Uh, here we go. This one that says UH is favored by seven over Duquesne. I wonder where you could bet on that. Again, I don't know exactly how it works. I know some sports books will have it uh, in Vegas, where they'll have the FCS game. Some won't, and some sites same thing. So. I haven't seen it yet, but thank you for that. You know, Gary, there was a text that I, I lost. It was asking you a question. Okay. It was the top one right now. Somebody said, hi, Gary. I fondly, fondly remember fondly. the first time that I heard you on 1420 AM is when Bobby, Joe McGarry, and you were on the same show. What year was that? What was the time slot? And I did write back. Early 2000s uh, went on for a few years, and it was from 6 to 9 AM. Early 2000s. <laughs> You lie. It was. What do you mean? What do you think you think it was? It was like in the 50s. <laughs> you, 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 your, your rejoin music was Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley in the comments. You're all, hey, that's a new song. I'm really into that one. It was the 60s. Come on. When did we start the Sports Animals show? We started on May 31st, oh 2006, I believe it was. Wow, 2006. Man. Uh, I was mentioning... <laughs> I was mentioning... The uh, assistant coaches, coaches in the Belichick coaching tree. Not all, but many have been accused of being jerks. And then uh, somebody texted in and said, ha, 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 because Bill's a jerk. Okay. I think Bill I, I think Bill Belichick, away from football, is probably a pretty cool guy. I mean, his, one of his besties is John Bon Jovi. So come on. I remember one thing I heard about him to think he was normal, this was years ago, is that he actually takes out the garbage at his house. Somebody was trying to point out that he's a normal, regular guy. And that for some reason, that was a big part of the story. The only thing I remember is that he takes out the garbage at his house, which was supposed to impress people, I guess. Well, what would you have? A, an, a, a, a butler or something? Well, if you look at, like, name? Cliff Kingsbury's house or, you know, some of the really, you know, Sean McVay. I, don't, I can't picture Sean McVay taking out the garbage. Well, who would take out the garbage, him or his wife? The help. They don't – you think they have help? Um, I can't picture Tom might... Brady taking out garbage. Well, who would do it? Not Giselle. Well, I think one of his kids is old enough by now. Yeah. But what I'm what I'm getting at is you might have somebody come over to clean once in a while, but, hey, it's 11 o'clock at night, the garbage is full. What are you going to do? They're, they're, they're humans. They're I normal don't... people. Just because they have money doesn't mean they don't take out the garbage. I, I know, and I'm just having fun, but it's just interesting in that article years oh. and years ago that it pointed it out to show that he's a regular guy. And I don't know if that was put in there for a specific reason, but I, I remember that thinking. That's just kind of weird to mention that to prove that he's just a normal guy. That he takes out the garbage? Yes. <laughs> well, you should. I mean, it's kind of the man of the house. It's the man's job. Well, if you, when your kids start to get you know older, they're like 9 or 10, if they can lift the bag, hey, you know what? All of a sudden... That's the kid's job. His son's an hey, assistant coach. boy, take out the garbage. I wonder if that's how one of his sons got the assistant coaching job for New England by taking out the garbage as part of his deal. It's not even funny. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm serious. With that said, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, check it out. We've got, um, uh, got some uh, special stuff going on tomorrow. It is the Rivals Fantasy Football Show presented by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. 
You can uh, improve your team, get advice from an expert on how to start, win NFL memorabilia and more. It's Wednesdays at 8 o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu. We're looking at the uh, the odds have come out for some games in the NFL. There were a lot of upsets, right, this past yeah. weekend. Yeah. You had that Houston Texans tie that we were talking about. So now, all of a sudden, it affects what they're doing in Las Vegas. For example, the Detroit Lions are favored over the Washington Commanders. I don't think you would have saw that a year ago. Um, maybe it's not only a year ago. One. It's only by one. Yeah, well, they're this home. Is a, this is a this is a three, and they won three games and had a tie last year. Well, how many did Washington win last ones. year? I don't remember. Not many more, but again, Detroit's at home. Usually, get three points for being at home. So actually, the same Washington's the better team. New England is favored on the road at Pittsburgh by one. Now this might change because people are going to start taking up these bets. But I think they saw Mitchell Trubisky. It wasn't horrible, but he wasn't great either. And you got T.J. Watt out, and Najee Harris is still has a hurt foot. He says he's going to play. Still yeah. got a hurt foot. Mac Jones got hurt as well. Oh, that's right. That's right. I wonder why. I have it as a pick on the list I'm looking at now in that game. But, again, Pittsburgh's at home, too. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco, with Trey Lance, is favored by nine over Seattle. That now, this like came out lot. yesterday. This came out before. Uh, Gino's performance yesterday. This came out yesterday during the day. Okay, I have it at eight and a half now. That was after the game. Still, still yes, sounds no, like a lot. Man, that's no Eli like really Mitchell. No, I'm not sure about George Kittle. I, I think they expect him to play, but the top running back is out as well. That seems like a lot of points. Yeah. Okay. Here's one. Uh, Chicago is uh, Green Bay is favored by nine and a half over Chicago. That's all. I thought it'd be like twenty. Sorry, Bears well, fan. Right. No, no, no. But seriously, think about this. They lose to the Vikings, and uh, Aaron Rodgers looked like crap. They lose to the Vikings, a rival in the black and blue division. Now they got another uh, conference game, division game, against the Chicago Bears. Say the Bears win again. What what are Packer fans going to do? They won't relax. They're going to start chanting Jordan Love, Jordan Love, Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers owns them, remember? He said that many times. He owns oh the Bears. Oh, my gosh. I'm really rooting for the Bears now, <laughs> just for the story in itself. All right, uh, coming up, we were, uh, we'll be back to wrap it up. we still got stuff to go over here, including Robert Sala is taking receipts on anybody mocking the New York Jets. Uh-oh. That's the way to end the show. It's a good Jets talk. Um, if we got time, more on UH football and uh, more. All coming up with the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up Thursday, you can join us for the really big road show number two at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. We had such a great time last time. Uh, Kanoa Leahy, Josh Pacheco, and Gary Dickman will be your all-star hosts with live in uh, uh, on-location guests, surfer Ezekiel Lau, Coach Rich Hill. Laura Beeman's going to be there. Alika Smith, former basketball player, and a lot more. Uh, all afternoon long from 3 to 6 this Thursday at Growler Hawaii. Come on down in person and enjoy one of like 100 different beers or seltzers on tap or get Heineken and Dos Equis on special. We'll see you at the really big road show number two from ESPN Honolulu. 
Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy. That is at 12 noon. Josh Pacheco on the radio at 3 o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu. It's the Bobby Curran Show with the sports animals. And uh, Robert Sala, who seems like a cool cucumber. Well, something must have got him pretty upset after uh, the New York Jets lost to, what was the final score of that Ravens game, like 23-9 to nine or yeah, something? Yeah, they, they got a late touchdown. I mean, it wasn't a horrible, 24-9. to nine. It wasn't the worst loss in the history of the Jets. Well, there's been a lot of horrible losses. Their offense was non-existent. Mm. Defense injuries, wasn't bad. And due to injuries, maybe you can you can see that. On the offensive line, those are injuries. Yeah, and maybe well, their quarter, quarterback. their starting quarterback is injured. They don't have a good starting quarterback, no matter who you pick. We don't know that for sure. So yes, stop. Yes, we it. do. Okay, we had the same conversation about Geno Smith two days ago. So you stop. Give him a chance. You'll be much happier fan, I think, <laughs> if you do. Anyway, so Robert Sala says he's taking receipts on those mocking the New York Jets. What does taking a receipt mean? I've never he, heard that before. He's like, I know. It's kind of weird. He just said, I'm, I know it's going to happen. He was really upset with the non-believers, he said. And he said, uh, they continually mock and say that we aren't going to do anything. I'm taking receipts. I'm going to be more <laughs> than happy to share them with all of you when yeah. it's all said and done. That's what I want to see. They're going to win a game. They're going to play somebody <laughs> like and win a game and go, okay. And he goes down the list like Santa Claus on the who's naughty or nice list, right? Here we go. This person said this. person said this. Wait till the Super Bowl. I don't think you can do that after a win. They'll beat Jacksonville in December. That might be their first win. (laughs) Boy. All right. Uh, That's it for today. We have got Kanoa Leahy, like I said, today at 12 noon. Let's talk sports. Josh Pacheco at 3 o'clock here. Remember, it's a fantasy football show, the Rivals Fantasy Football Show, tomorrow at 8 here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM.